This episode of the All Things Go podcast is presented by Atlas Hair. Are you ugly? Yeah, we thought so. Lucky for you, we've got something for that. Atlas is an elite line of hairstyling products with cologne fragrances to help quaff that mop into something straight out of Hollywood and smell like you're the guy she's going home with tonight. Half of our products also contain a hair thickening ingredient to help those of us who are getting a little thin up top to make the most of what we got. Get started today at atlashair.com and use the promo code NASCAR for 20% off your entire order. We can't fix your face, but we can at least give you a fighting chance. Atlashair.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-H-A-I-R.com. Welcome in to the All Things Go podcast, episode 39, as we kick off season two. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy, at Brian underscore Murphy underscore on Twitter. And Brian, the 2023 season is now in the books. The offseason has begun for many. So how you been doing since we last spoke on the ATG pod? Really good. Really busy, though. Um, obviously still helping uh, Josh at Babyface Fabrication. Yep. Always have a bunch of SCCA road ca- roll cages to do there. Working on Francis, trying to get that uh, kicked off and and rolling. Um, and then went to Coda this past week with Nitro Motorsports, where those guys and Brent Cruz won the uh, drivers championship, um, and uh, one of their other drivers won the race. So it was a fun trip out there, man. I'm telling you what, Coda is becoming one of my favorite tracks in America. This place is awesome. If you've never been. Uh, I suggest going. The views are great. The amenities are great. I love that place. So, um, but really excited to kick off season two. Really excited to get this going again. Um, and great guest today. What what better way to do it? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And let's welcome on our guest. He's a recurring guest, special guest to the show. Uh, we had him on back uh, at the end of January, getting ready for the season. Now we're going to kind of uh, recap what 2023 was, but uh, it's professional sports better, Chris wormy uh chris you know you, you like i said you joined us back in february uh we talked all throughout the season you become uh, really good friends with brian and i and uh how's everything going for you and uh you know how's the off season treating you three days in three days in uh, a lot of reading so far but good. uh yeah it's nice to kind of relax and kind of reflect on the year you know i don't do todd and i don't do a podcast after the season so it's kind of nice mm-hmm. to Actually, I feel like this is the the closure on the season. You know, I'm just going to spend with you guys and talk some things out on what kind of what happened and the explanations as to to mm-hmm. why the end of the season, you know, kind of happened the way it was with with Blaney winning and then kind of our projections for the 2024 season. I mean, what a better place to start than three days after the season to start, you know, getting ready for a, which, by the way, is a very short off season you know, relative to most sports. So, um, so far so good. Uh, haven't, haven't been too bored yet, but we're only three days in. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, three days in, and it was interesting. I was back listening to our first episode, um, at the, right at the beginning of the season, we talked about what worm learned. So hopefully you bring that back here this year where you went back and you watched, 
uh, all the races and just kind of picked up some tidbits. So that would be good. We talked a lot about explanations last time. And then some of the conversations we had about the drivers leading into 23 were quite interesting. We were both very high on Chase Briscoe and the 14 team. Uh, but an interesting fact before I kick it over to Brian, uh, interesting fact the three of us have is we were all three in attendance for Kevin Harvick's last win at Richmond. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yep. Man. I would have, I, you know, that's obviously one thing I'm sure we'll talk about, but uh, I never would have expected that 14 to have gone this year without a win. And they came very mm -hmm. close. Um, you know, most nobly Phoenix won. Um, but yeah, I mean, but they ran uh, really good all year long for, for being a Stuart Haas car. We know Stuart Haas um, didn't perform the way they wanted to this year, but I think there's a lot for those guys on that 14 to hold their head high on. Um, you know, it was great to see Harvick have, uh, man, one meaningful good last race at, at Phoenix this past weekend. So, um, but yeah, it's, that's crazy. I, I have that banner hanging up in my, uh, garage. Never thought that, um, there wouldn't be another one for him. I swear it hit me like a ton of bricks, uh, a couple hours ago. I was like, Oh, I was at Kevin Harvick's last win. And then thinking, <laughs> wait, that was the one that we were all at together. So that was kind of cool that we have that, uh, as a unit, but Chris overall, just kind of, before we dive into like Phoenix and then uh, kind of do a recap, what was, you know, what was some of your thoughts? You and I were both in attendance uh, in Phoenix. What were some of your thoughts while you were there for the championship race on Sunday? I think that uh, I've thought about this, that, you know, I've kind of seen in the past few years, you know, I've only been watching NASCAR for 12 or 13 years. So I, I didn't grow up with it. Like, like you guys did and seeing, you know, whether it was Gordon Johnson Dale Jr., Tony Stewart, all those guys retired in, um, you know, while I'd been watching the sport. But I feel like in the last, you know, 13 years, I actually saw the, the, the peak of Kevin Harvick's career. And I think that's why I was more sentimental watching this four team uh, than I was some of the others. You know, I, it, I did not see Jeff Gordon's peak. I didn't see the peak of his career. Um, I, I kind of caught the tail end of Johnson's career and his dominance. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see Stewart win one championship, uh, but never like the dominance that we saw to him when he was with JGR and with Dale Jr. I think, you know, his kind of legacy runs way deeper than just, you know, his career. I think that his legacy is going to be as an owner and as an announcer and, and, you know, his, his father. So, so, so this was just one of those things where I just saw a raw racer kind of through the peak of his career. So it was kind of the first time like, man, it's kind of a bummer, man. Kevin Harvick's not going to be out there running because he dominated some seasons while I was, uh, you know, betting on the sport. So kind of a sentimental thing to just kind of see Harvick kind of fade. And it is crazy how these drivers really do kind of fade. They just, they, they don't ever lead, go out on top. I think it's a really tough sport to do that in. And because if you're going on, might as well keep racing. So there was a, some sentimental value. I thought that the content team of SHR did an amazing job of creating footage. And whether it was, whether you saw it on, on social media or you saw it through NASCAR, I don't know. I mean, I didn't get like teary eyed, but man, there was some pretty cool stuff that I thought that SHR did and the, the forever squad. And it was just, it, it's, it's a bummer to see Kevin Harvick go because he's going to be a legend in my mind. And, um, but you know, this is what we do. Where are those fans going to go? I have no idea. You know, do they leave SHR or do they, they hop onto another Ford team or do they find an all new driver? 
all together? I, I don't know. I think that's a really good question. I know we're going to talk about some of those things because Jeff Gordon had some comments, uh, you know, a week or two back. And, uh, you know, Brian, for you, you know, like I said, I went back and I listened to our episode. And what's really cool is knowing, wow, there's a lot of changes that happened even in your professional career. So what was that like for you? Just you know, talk a little bit about your emotions and, you know, because you were part of that, those teams where, like Chris was saying, you know, Harvick had some years where he dominated and you were part of that. And so what was, you know, some of this for you with Harvick retiring and knowing, you know, you were part of his legacy uh, as well? Yeah, I, you know, I, I missed the 2014 season and and I get to hear all the stories about how special that particular year was. Um, but 2015 and on, that team, um, you know, when I look back at my cup career where, where it's at today, a lot of the highlights had come from, Kevin Harvick and that four team. A lot of who I am today um, is because of Roddy Childers, is because of um, uh, Cheddar, the car chief. You know, all, all the lessons throughout those eight years, almost nine years that I was at Stuart Haas, winning all of those races, um, contending for championships are all all things that, man, I even text um, Cheddar Sunday morning. I said, man, you know, thank you for everything. This is incredible. It's emotional to watch. Because it's not just the driver, too. And I think Kevin's even talked about this. It is kind of a breakup of a, of a team, in a sense, once the driver leaves. And, and you can still have the same people, but it's just quite not the same. And that's not disrespect to Josh Berry or anybody. It's just this was the core group of, of um, this race team. And you know now it's, it's time for a different chapter. So, man, it's, it's tough, though, because of all the memories, you know, the brickyards, um, you know, the wins at Michigan – the you know you look back to some of the almost wins and and things that happened the the tough times the good times and um you know it was just a fantastic celebration all year long for not only Kevin Harvick but you know that four team in a decade of incredible dominance yeah you mentioned Cheddar but also you know a friend of the show uh Stephen Mitchell who uh drove the four hauler and can't thank him enough for all the hospitality he showed me personally when I would go out to every race uh, we would always find each other um one way or another and just thinking about everybody the whole trickle down yes we're celebrating Kevin Harvick and his career but there's so much more behind the scenes um to those teams uh Chris do you have a favorite Kevin Harvick moment uh, I know he didn't pass I know he's just tired but did yeah, what is it? Okay, so I don't remember what year it was. He was in the 29. Okay. And he, Johnson had led at Fontana all day long. Oh, and Harvick got the 29 going on the high line. And this was the first time my neighbors checked on me after a race because I was screaming. And it, I, think, I think he may have only led like the last two laps of the race. I don't know if it was 20... I don't know, 2011 or I, I, that the, I will look once I stop talking at yeah. when he won. But uh, I just remember screaming, you know, come on, Kevin, come on, Kevin. Mm -hmm. And uh, my neighbors actually were like, Hey, is everything going on? Cause I remember, I think it was a Monday. It was like a rain out or something. It was a Monday afternoon. I guess it could have been a Sunday who knows, but I just remember my neighbors checked in on me and that might've been my greatest, you know, Kevin Harvick moment that I can just remember off the top of my head. I, you remember I went, I've been to the last 20 Phoenix races, so I've seen him win a bunch <laughs> almost annoyingly. So I don't think that there's going to be a Phoenix race that I remember. Although when he beat Edwards was that kind was, of a big yep. one because I That's was naked my, on Edwards. Ooh. And yeah. um, so, and then I, I think I even left early and I'm like, come on, Kevin's going to win this. And then 
obviously a late caution. You get yourself a restart. Uh, so that was a good one too. But I don't. I, I would have to say that that initial or not that initial, but the he was in the twenty nine car. I remember he said Jimmy John's yep. car, and yep. uh, he Jimmy beat Johnson with a, a couple to go. Uh, that's my best, off, my best moment. I think it was off turn four that he might have been like the only lap he led. Just got him sniped. Yeah, him the it line. may have been. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that is a good moment. Then that's uh, you know kind of dates back a little bit to. Yeah, I mean, Kevin's been in it forever. I remember Kevin Harvick in 2001 when he came in and, and took over Dale's car uh, at Rockingham and didn't know anything about him. And the next thing you know, three races later, goes out, wins Atlanta, wins at Chicagoland. And this guy was just really making a name for himself. So it's amazing to think about a guy that has raced since 2001, now retires. And now, you know, the four elder statesmen, if you will, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, MTJ, you could put Denny Hamlin in there uh, as well. I think I might be forgetting one name, but, um, you know, you weren't there for the championship, Brian. We'll move on to something else next. But what was your favorite um, four-team moment there while Kevin was at SHR? for you i mean for me i think i think it's probably the win after vegas when we got caught with the roof um collapsing okay and um you know the or win at phoenix we won the next week just because I, there was so much momentum the yep the brace that broke broke in that roof was that was not on purpose um being called out by all the reddit fans and um you know how that all played out was well you know it was kind of tough for for the race team and and trying to go mm-hmm. back and prove that we still had the speed to go out and, and have an incredible year like we did it was really fun to see him go out there make that make that win happen it almost was like he was going to win that race just to shove it down everybody's throat and that's exactly what he did he got out of the car pointed out the roof um you know so it was uh you know and that just kicked off such a such a good year for us so um, between that and Edwards, man, I was pumped when he when he passed Edwards on that last lap um, um, at Phoenix. So so many good memories, though. I mean, I could come, you know, the two Brickyard wins, um, the All Star win. There's just so many amazing moments over the past eight years, and that I'll that I'll never forget. It's it was really special, an absolute honor to work with that four team, work with Rodney, and work with uh, Kevin Harvick, one of the best to ever do it. Yeah, it was really cool on Sunday to be able to see Kevin kind of let his emotions, let, let that guard down yeah. and let the uh, personal side uh, kind of show in a big way, definitely after the race. But uh, I found myself accidentally uh, more so right before the race started around the four car and all the emotions and, and just the different people getting pictures. It was just surreal. So uh, to kind of think about that. So let's talk about Phoenix. Obviously, it was the championship race for the Cup Series as it was for all three series. But we'll start with the Cup Series race. Ryan Blaney wins the championship, you know, coming into this week, we talked about how, you know, this guy had the best average finish in the gen seven car here, uh, best finish in the last seven races, uh, regardless of generation of vehicle, Ryan Blaney just knew how to get it done at this type of track, never been the victory lane. Uh, and nor has he ever been the victory lane yet because Ross Chastain got the win first driver to win, uh, in this new format where they're having, uh, it at Phoenix, nobody's won the race that hasn't been in the championship for. So he scored the win. Ryan Blaney scored the championship. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you because, again, you were at the track. What was some of your uh, thoughts as you were watching the race play out? Uh, you know, I want to kind of get to some passing elements and we'll talk about some short track. But what was just some of your general thoughts as you saw everything kind of playing out uh, in your with your vantage point? 
Well, it, it seemed like after practice and qualifying that the 20 and the 12 were clearly the cars to beat. But there were mm-hmm. also a couple. I know that Ross Jastain looked good, short run and long run, and so did yep. Chris Busher. And so this was kind of one of those races where and, – and, and Harvick didn't look as good, but he he qualified as good as he has all, all year long. So right. I thought that there was a chance that this would be the first year where um, we did see a non – you know, playoff contender win the race. Now it, a lot of it had to do with just track position. So important. Ultimately, you know, I think that Ryan Blaney was clearly the fastest car, but for him to not be able to get by Ross Chastain, who was, I mean, very fast all day, but you know, it it took Blaney the fastest car to go from his what 15th or 16th place starting spot to get all the way to second. If he had gotten the lead, this, this race might've been pretty boring. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he would have kind of stayed out front all day. It was only his pit crew that was losing him spots and he would go back and regain them on the track. I think it was, it, it was one of those days where it's like, okay, it's only a matter of time before Blaney just wins the championship. That's what I look like. That's what it looked like uh, as just a, as a fan at the race. Now I, I didn't pay attention to lap times too much, but I didn't think you really had to, um, you know, I think that, that was just kind of the way I felt the whole race. What did you guys think? I mean, I just thought it was okay. Just a matter of Blaney getting this thing done unless something crazy happened. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I was able to watch the race on the plane flying back from Texas. So, um, technology is amazing nowadays, isn't it? Like I can just, my phone Mm -hmm. just, you know, can watch whatever TV show I want for free on the airplanes now. Um, but yeah, to your point, um, Blaney himself in that car was just, unstoppable in my opinion i mean he he would go through through the field in and out whenever he needed to um he was patient he was very smart about you know how he passed people when he passed people um and i just i i'm with you i didn't really see anything else for that moment that harvick was leading i i maybe it was just me getting choked up i i in my head i'm like man he's looking really really good here um and then obviously he fell back and just couldn't make it back up but um you know, for me, I, I thought it was a traditional, traditional Phoenix race. I mean, that, I, I that didn't place... bet much. I didn't bet much going into the race, but the only thing I wanted to bet was that if Kevin Harvick wins, that car would pass Tech. There is no way that they're going to take that win away from him if he ever went through Tech. If he were to win the race, so yeah. I mean, um, that that car, even the championship stuff. I mean, I'm really curious what would it take motor stuff. Um, cause I, I know when we went to Homestead for all those years, um, those cars were incredibly, um, you know, you were pushing every limit to, you went there with 10 things wrong, hoping to fix eight, right. And get away with two. Yeah. Type yeah, of thing. yeah. And they would even take the cars, uh, the week, week prior to the R and D center to, to look at them, check over them. And, and then after the fact, obviously we'd, you know, take the wrap off and, and tune on a bunch of things, but um you know i always wonder what what would you do because it would have to be something substantial like uh, a motor issue or um yeah i just don't see anybody getting thrown out there after you do the big celebration and all that for a hawkeye issue or a suspension issue or something like that so um but be such a black eye like could you imagine like you go through the celebration it's like oh 
Sorry, the footballs weren't inflated yeah. enough. We actually yeah. are going to DQ this team, and <laughs> this person wins. Like, yeah. hope you didn't celebrate too yeah. much or cash your gambling tickets. Yeah, and the opportunities, I think, for that nowadays are, are far less given the spec car. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing, too, is let's say that were to happen, that would be a black eye for NASCAR, but it would be a irreparable black eye for the team, right? They right. would make sure yeah. that... You know, your sponsors would, you know, they would not be happy. The the, the optics uh, for that race team would be so bad that I think it's somewhat self-policing on the items yeah. that would really get you thrown out. So, um, but no, I, I think it was the best championship race at Phoenix thus far. Yeah, you know, it's it's all an average of 7.7 7, uh, passes per green flag lap. 7.6 was what it was back in um, the spring. From my vantage point, it just didn't seem like a whole lot of passing. And again, some of that is green flag pit stops and you're passing 30 cars. So right there's one car doing that. Um, so there's different metrics and how they get to those numbers. They're not necessarily like seven cars were being passed uh, all at the same time every lap. Uh, but it was an interesting uh, championship. Definitely saw some things I think that we can pull from. Uh, going into 24 how about you know chris from a, a betting perspective is there anything that you can pull from this race and kind of apply it you know going forward when we not only look at some short tracks but even for 2024 from a momentum standpoint at all absolutely i think it's important to just survive in advance if you look at the finishes for the 12 team going up to talladega i mean even at daytona going into the the playoffs, a 36th place finish, then Darlington 9th, uh, Kansas 12th, Bristol 22nd, Texas 28th, and then boom, wins at Talladega. And then from there, he goes the Roval 12th, Las Vegas 6th, Homestead 2nd, Martinsville 1st, and then is able to pull out just the championship. So I think from a betting perspective, and by the way, leading up to those races, outside of just uh, – that fluke at Charlotte, he never looked like he was a dominant car. Like he dominated, you know, a couple races once you get late in the season, but only one race that he ever really catch an eye. So I think it's important to understand that just like a, it's almost like a hot goalie in the NHL that makes a run in the playoffs. Like if this team just finds speed, you just, once you hit on something, mm -hmm. that's a championship winning adjustment or, or, just a change that the team is making. And I think you need to keep that in mind because I thought for sure it was Byron and Larson and then maybe Bell or Blaney, but I certainly did not see Blaney just kind of methodically just kind of take this from, mm -hmm. from those, uh, from those Hendrick cars. Well, one thing that was interesting and Brian, I'm curious to hear your point on this, but like, you know, at the end, that last pit stop, we had almost the same scenario that broke out in 2021 where Kyle Larson won the championship coming in fourth, going out first. Same almost scenario where he came in behind the leaders, came out in front of the championship cars. He's in he's in the lead of that group and Ryan Blaney able to chase him down, pass him. They both raced, you know, respectfully uh, for what was at stake. Uh, did you think it was Kyle Larson's to lose with 20 some laps left and he's kind of the car out front or did you think, Hey, Blaney, you know, is going to get him here. No, I mean, like we talked about, I think Blaney's way to recover um, from even small issues, you know, two or three spots dropped here or there. He was just fast enough where 
halfway through that race, it was it was Blaney's race to lose a championship to lose, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, he looked strong. He looked you could see the way he was driving. He was just um, you know, the rhythm was there, his focus was there. He, you know, when you go up and you bump Chastain in the back, and, and obviously that was later in the race, but that's a guy that just is feeling his car that day. He is that mm-hmm. confident where he is able to to do something like that and put his car in a position um, to go out and, um, you know, ultimately just say, hey, this is my race. Get out of my way. So, no, I mean, that that whole team, the pit crew, um, even even throughout the race, right, maybe they had a couple mishaps, maybe weren't the fastest on pit road, but, man, they had a very solid day. There weren't any c- catastrophic um, problems, and mm-hmm. everybody did exactly what they had to do. Well, they unloaded so, so fast. It was almost theirs yeah. to lose. It was like, okay, Blaney had such a fast car that's like, okay, let's just, on this first 60-lap run, let's pick up five spots or four spots, okay? We're going to eventually mm-hmm. get there. Like, everyone in the garage was pointing towards his car. It was like, yeah. if there was just patience, I think that's the word you said. It's like, he was just so patient all day that he didn't have to put himself in a bad spot. It was like, okay, let's get into the top five. Now we'll start working on the top three. And oh, by the way, if you're running third right now, you're winning the championship at a certain point throughout the race. It's like, okay, they, they kind of had control of the race without leading the race, if that makes right. sense. Because sure. as long as they didn't lose four spots on pit road, they could lose a spot or two yep. and he was still fast enough. It, it looked to me like he didn't even have to drive too aggressively to pass Larson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Larson was hanging on for dear life. Right. It was just a matter of time. So uh, the way it looked like uh, in that movie Gladiator, when he like turns the knife around on him and he starts to slowly shove it into him, it's like, well, he's slowly going to die. <laughs> you know, that was like Larson's death. Yeah. You know, all the fans or the people that bet on him are like, oh, maybe he can hold him off. It was like Blaney didn't even have to try that hard. He just had like Larson had to make the smallest mistake and he was going to blow by him. And if Larson ran perfectly, he may not have been able to keep the 12 behind him. So to your point, I thought his patience and just his rhythm, like we're going to get there. We just got to bide our time. And they did a great job of that. And for me, the most, not one of the most important periods of a championship weekend is the first five minutes in practice. Sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but that first person to go out there and lay down a lap, and say this is this is the time guys this is i'm coming here i'm the fastest car right now you're going to be chasing me that messes up the the other three guys the other three teams because it instantly turns to oh my god we are not catch fast up. enough how do we how are we going to catch up we didn't unload where we want to be um you know there there this little bit of panic starts to pick in and then you know it's it's just kind of snowballs from there so um for Blaney kind of to unload and just have that confidence, that speed, I think it really set the tone for the weekend. Yeah, I think you're uh, absolutely right. Um, what about the short track package, Brian? I mean, this is something that we've talked about a lot. It's in the news. The teams are going back out to Phoenix to uh, do a test here. Uh, six drivers are going to go out here in just a, a few weeks to do some uh, testing. They talked about it in the, you want to call it the State of the Union, uh, if you will, for the sport, about some different things that they're going to be trying out. What have you heard? What do you think is going to happen with this short track package? NASCAR and short tracks kind of go hand in hand. We've lost that identity uh, here over the last uh, you know number of years, so uh, what's going to be happening in, in your opinion? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I th- can we all agree that the tire or the product that we saw at Martinsville was better? 
I thought it was better. I thought it was better. better. Yeah. Now, the other thing, too, like, I don't know. For me, the Martinsville race that I watched this past couple weeks ago and the Phoenix race that I watched this past weekend was not that far off from races that we saw later in the Gen 6 at both tracks. So I thought I Phoenix st- was better. Phoenix was, I thought, as good as we've had in a while at Phoenix. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. I still yep. think we are... Not that we can't make gains, so let me finish, but we are still chasing this ghost of a product that has never existed. And I, I am really worried that there we're going we're gonna to continue to see a lot of uh, disappointment from the fan base if we continue to try to sell that this product is that bad. And I do not think it's that bad. I've said that all year long. I, I think it can be approved, but I don't think it's far off. I mean, again, we saw Martin Truex. We saw... Brad Kozlowski dominate entire races at Martinsville before in, entire races in Martinsville. You could never pass. That is such a hard track to pass without just shoving someone out of the way to begin with. Um, Phoenix. I, I don't remember a, a race where Phoenix was just a constant passing uh, festival ever. Yeah, not it's always, repave. No. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things. I think we do need to check our, you know, our expectations. Now, is there things to improve on? Yes, I think there's a lot to improve on to make it better. I again, I'm going to double down on the fact that I do not think the aerodynamic side is going to fix what we are are hoping to achieve. Um, I think the tires was part of it. I think that was a, yeah. a great step in the right direction. For sure. I think I think we need more horsepower. I still don't know where or who is stopping the horsepower. Yeah, I know. And then they said, didn't they even say it'll be the last thing we go to? It's like. Wait, doesn't this solve a lot of the problems, Brian? Yeah, I, like, now I think it's going to have to be a minimum of 750, if not more, to make up if we don't fix the shifting, if we don't fix just the the oversized contact patch that these tires have. I mean, there are a lot of things here that we need to kind of work on the tires. You know, we, we need to work on the tires, but we're, we're going to need some horsepower, some some 750, mm-hmm. 800 horsepower. And I don't get because I I talk to people from Ford. Apparently Ford wants as much horsepower as they can get. I talked to people from Toyota and and I've talked to a couple higher ups at Toyota. No, we want as much horsepower as we can get. Talk to the Chevy guys. No, we'll we'll take horsepower. We don't mind more horsepower. Mm-hmm. And so why would NASCAR care? They don't care. If the manufacturers don't mind and the teams want it and the fans want it, I don't know who's stopping this because I don't know why NASCAR would care if we showed up with 1500 horsepower if that's what we wanted. They're not building the mm-hmm. cars, they're not building the motors, they're not paying for the motors. You know, they're just teching them. So what? Uh, okay. So what I know that remember, I'm a NASCAR idiot outside of just the betting <laughs> stuff. What is NASCAR's response to that? Well, this could be solved. Let's just say 30 to 50% of the issue could be solved with an increase in horsepower. What is their, what is their objection to that? I, I don't personally talk to them. So, I mean, <laughs> you hear, you hear Denny Hamlin on his podcast say mm-hmm. that they've asked for it. You hear all these people, and and the only thing I ever hear is that they say the manufacturers don't want it. <laughs> and I don't that is honestly, and maybe I'm missing something. I you know, I don't see everything, but you constantly hear that the manufacturers don't support it. And when I see IndyCar, which has um, you know, two different manufacturers that are willing to push near a thousand horsepower with this new hybrid system, right. and you see these teams spending 
um, all this time and energy on hybrid systems and sports cars. And, and the rest of the world doesn't seem to have a, a, a engine argument when it comes to horsepower. And here we are. And I, I really, man, I don't know. Is it new? Is it new manufacturers? I, I don't know. I, I would think that a new manufacturer right now with this platform just would be able to see a, a great opportunity to come into a sport and not have to put the time and energy that you used to have to 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 mm-hmm. have a championship caliber campaign, right? Um, you know, I think any team would jump for any manufacturer to come in. So I I, I don't know, man. I do not know why the horsepower is such. It, 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 they just don't put a different spacer on it. Do some, you know, you talk to motor guys. I'm not a motor guy. You know, it's a camshaft, some some head work, and uh, different spacer, and let's go. So. Uh, I, I just cannot believe that we are still going to concentrate on anything aerodynamics. I cannot, it just, it's, I could pull my hair out every time I hear the fact that we're going to try an aerodynamic change because to me, it's just, it's not the way to go. Yeah. Because that's stuff that they tried at Richmond. And I remember Christopher Bell was like, yeah, basically everything we tested didn't work. Yeah. Like just, it's not, it was more of a waste of our time, uh, essentially. Now, you got here re- and the, t- yeah, go ahead. You got to remember, and we've talked about this plenty of times, that these cars, let's just say, make about roughly 2,000 pounds of downforce. In the center of the corner at Martinsville, you're talking somewhere between 200 and 300 pounds of downforce with clean air. That's not enough to throw this car off. And I know the drivers keep complaining about dirty air, and it's, I just have a hard time believing that they are not dealing or feeling with something that they felt for years. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, so, you know, I'm not good. It's hard for me to say that the drivers are wrong, but I I just, Denny Hamlin, he says it, he feels the dirty air, but he seems very well uh, over the fact that we're still trying to work on some aerodynamic bits. I've talked to a couple other drivers. Aerodynamics is not on their top list of things that they want to see worked on. So, well, that's going to be interesting then because there's a couple tests coming up. There's a couple different uh, topics of conversation before, like you said, Chris. I mean, the, the offseason in NASCAR is the shortest in professional sports. And before we know it, you know, we're going to be taking cars back out to the clash and going to have cars on track uh, again and uh, kind of rolling right back into it. Chris, was there anything else from Phoenix from the Cup Series or the short track side that we didn't touch on that you wanted to at all? No. Nope. Okay. I mean, I'll so, be glad when it's not at Phoenix, the championship race, depending yeah. on where it goes. Like, if it goes to Atlanta, like, okay, no. I don't no. think they're going to do that. To, okay. No, they it would has never. has to go to a NASCAR. has to go to a NASCAR, yeah, sanctioned track. So, Homestead. It's be warm. Yep. So, what is that? Homestead, Phoenix, and uh, how warm Fontana is it in Iowa? Fontana would have been great. Um, oh, Fontana would have been great. Yeah, seeing those RIP. seeing those images of the track getting uh, torn up is I mean, could they do uh, it killer. How about I don't think it's it's the the weather. I just is I don't think is good enough for your modern day. Um, you know, we've been very blessed this year with some incredible weather this year. I mean, it was gorgeous out today, and um, you know, would have been perfect for a race, no doubt. But I just don't think that they are I mean, willing to. That or Phoenix, then yeah, that's Martin, all you got. Maybe I don't think Martin's why, even. Well, why are we not at Chicagoland? Uh, that's a serious question. I kind well, of not that. during. Well, we is can't it do the it market? for the. Just, just thinking of tracks like no, that was th- one track that think, fell off. Is that a market thing? Kentucky, uh, Chicago. Yep. I mean, I think for a long time the fan base had complained about the number of cookie cutter mile and a halfs, and they were the first couple to go. So, um, you know, it's just kind of unfortunate now that we have a car that runs so well at these mile and a halfs that yeah, we have... exactly. <laughs> it's just bad timing yeah. for everything, right? So, 
Um, but I would see, I, I bet more come back. Um, you know, there's, there's so many options and, uh, you know, I think, I think Ben Kennedy has done a great job in trying new things, different things. Um, a lot of mind blowing things that have, have for the most part worked out much better than even I anticipated. But, uh, I think we're going to see a, a shift back to these mile and a half if this track continues the way it ha- or this car continues the way it does. Uh, one track that we uh, saw the series go to for the first time since uh, 1996, I believe it was, was North Wilkesboro. Warren, what was your thoughts on seeing that place repaved uh, this week with some of the videos coming out? Yeah. Wait, it was repaved? It's, it's repaved as we speak. Yep. It's happening it's done. as we speak. <laughs> All right. So what's the point? We don't need to talk about it. It's going to yeah. suck for a while. Okay, so there's I, now, now yeah, you, it was just took, another. You took the best part of the track and you just and I don't yeah. know how this shape. That's it kind was of my point. Know, it was like, it was pretty bad. I mean, it they they had could they have milked another year or something off it maybe, but man, I don't know. I think uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it'll probably be single file. Could be you know unless they fix something but um yeah well, you're not going to get what happened at the all-star race where you saw someone take tires and then no. it stayed green they drove through the field that just won't happen you're no. going to look at you're going to be playing this game on pit road of do we take two or do we take four yes. or, yep. yeah like it's just that's yeah. which is a part of racing i do think that that element is important the strategy is important it can't be darlington mm-hmm. every week where it's four tires and fuel mm-hmm. every stop i do think it needs to be important like the that there it is important that we have tracks like this where strategy matters but we're just getting we're just going away from these high tire wear tracks so quickly that we don't get a chance to really enjoy them in my opinion like in whatever it's just a jaded fan i think to see just their best tracks or the late years and then when they're gone we bitch that's what happens yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, i do think wilkesboro is probably one of the outliers in that i mean it, it was pretty bad, bad. Um, no I, I so i understand that like and i understand that like i understand that there were weepers at texas and there were like but <laughs> then whoever reconfigured texas i don't know <laughs> who we point the finger at? There, That's but, a good question. Yeah, Eddie Gossage. Well, we'll go to him. He's been. Well, no, uh, he didn't. He uh, was colorful. very quick to point the finger, not at himself on that, as he yeah, was backpedaling yeah. from his comments. But um, was he ever? Anyway, no. I All think, right. Uh, so then, yeah, Wilkesboro, yeah. I think is going to be. It's going to be tough, but it's they. They are in this for decades. They just said today, Marcus Smith. So, um, you know, sooner we can put new asphalt on it. Hopefully, sooner it becomes something entertaining and, and better for the future so you just kind of got to bite the bullet at some time i guess all right so then let's do this we'll do a little bit of a recap here brian i thought you had a good idea with some of these questions so i'm curious to hear both sides uh what you guys think uh you put a, a list of different things here that we'll talk about from the season we don't have to dwell on these too long uh but i think they'll be good uh topics and just even for the three of us to learn a little bit um so worm uh in your opinion best race this year in 2023 was what yeah, I'm going to have to say I think Kansas won. I think that Larson-Hamlin battle, uh, yeah. I thought and, – and here's why I liked it. I thought that Larson's car was good, but not as good as Denny's. And I thought it was good, hard racing. Mm-hmm. I don't blame Denny for getting into him. I thought it was more of a racing incident. It was not him trying to 
trying to wreck Kyle and the fact that Kyle was still able to finish second after that. I really do think that over the long run, if you get good racing, beating and banging, where the the next car doesn't lose 40 points, like, you know, or not 40 points, yeah. but like 10 or 15 spots on the last lap. There's something about like, hey, it was good, hard racing. We got second. We didn't win the race, but we also didn't have the best car at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me was kind of the best true racing um, in the best race, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I had here. Kansas won that race. Saw a little bit of everything. You saw Larson, who was leading, get spun out by Tyler Reddick uh, early. He had really good passing. Larson coming back through the field. Like we said, there was a last last lap incident pass. Ross Chastain, Noah Gregson on pit road in a fist fight. Uh, it just kind of had everything. That was a great race. I also had Darlington won as like a close second. Brian, what about you? What, it, in your opinion, was the best race? <laughs> I had Kansas won as well, but I had uh, the boys. Coke 600, the Coke 600, Ooh. and yeah. Auto, Auto Club as close second and third. So, yeah. um, well, was it the company you were with while you were watching the Coke 600? Was oh. that what made it better? No, in fact, no. we were sitting there enjoying it together. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I mean, perfect. It, it was uh, a number of different, a number of different things. It definitely wasn't uh, how the team I was helping was running, but um, yeah, no, uh, that was a fun time for sure. And, uh, but man, three great intermediate tracks, putting up amazing races. Um, yeah. Tons of passing top to bottom throughout the race. Um, but yeah, some, some great stuff uh, from Kansas. I think, I think probably the best track combined for both races this year, probably yeah, the best I agree. track. I agree with that. What yeah. about, can I go honorable mention? I hate this yep. track. I'm going to go Ooh. honorable mention Michigan. I thought that like it, it was so hard to pass, but damn, it was kind of fun to watch. Um, Chris Busher tried to hold off, yep. which in my opinion, Martin Truex Jr. up until he couldn't pass Chris Busher was mm-hmm. the fastest car I've ever seen in the sport. And then all of a sudden Chris Busher gets some clean air and, I thought that that was really good racing and kind of intense, like that Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart battle at Homestead where they're like kind of mirroring lap times and, you know, Truex would fall back and then his tires would cool off a little bit. They'd make another mm-hmm. run. A, a big uh, chest that match. Was, what's that? Yeah, it was pretty good. Chest I match. That was, yeah. yeah, Like it was the two fastest cars going at it for a win. I like seeing that. And then, and then seeing, seeing them race each other clean. And uh, I think that, it's it's weird we even have to say that right now it's just you have to say <laughs> hey we like good clean racing yeah, yeah. yep no yeah that's that's definitely uh one that i was thinking about and, and two you know truex like you said he was super fast at that race but i'd be curious to look at what his finishes were after michigan to see where he because he was one of the worst cars in the playoffs after winning the regular season title uh i think he had an average place finish in the playoffs of 19.3 or something like that so wow uh, pretty bad cool. there uh, another i yeah, haven't run me if you want to hear those i would love to hear them so he went to the indy road course and finished seventh which i feel like for truex is a terrible okay. road course and then he follows it up at watkins Glen with six and then the playoff started 24th 18th 36th 19th 17th 18th 20th so <laughs> man it was chris busher just ruined yeah. truex's i mean that's we, momentum yeah that was Good call there, Derek. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was definitely an interesting moment in the season. Speaking of moments, Brian, you put down here best moment. I'll start with you. What was your best moment of 2023? 
I think for me, easily the one that first one that comes to mind is SVG winning at uh, Chicago. Okay. Um, yep. You know, obviously uh, a new race. I think the street course went better than anybody expected, even with the unfortunate amount of rain that uh, that that city saw that weekend. Um, mm-hmm. But to see this guy come in, race hard, clean, to see how talented he is with his footwork, to see the way he could manhandle one of these race cars around a, a facility like that was was really cool and then to see him cap it off for that 91 uh team well i mean man I, that for me that's just the highlight of the year for sure yeah how about you worm what was your best moment yeah, of 2023 it, this is tough for me to kind of keep my wallet out of the Yo, br- like, bring your wallet uh, into it i think that'd be great okay, listeners, so, uh, would help. all right a cu- i'll have a couple uh, Kyle Busch winning his second race of the year at Talladega to cash my over one and a half tickets. That was, uh, <laughs> that was yeah. nice to see. Um, yep. I will say, I, I, you know what? I will say my best moment was watching Michael McDowell win. You know, I think that that was, mm-hmm. he had a great car and he was able to, you know, hold off chase Elliott. I, I don't know. That was a good moment. I've been a Michael McDowell guy for a while. I've been betting on him for years at road courses and never on ovals. I know he has the the one Daytona 500, but there's something about going out there and, and winning a, a non super speedway race. So I, I guess I'd have to tip my hat to Michael McDowell. And then uh, I guess another financial ones, Kyle Larson punching his ticket at Las Vegas with a charging Chris Bell yes. was uh, more stress than I wanted to get him to Phoenix for the final. Four. So, so that race in particular, the the Kyle Larson at Vegas, uh, in some of the different betting markets, you had Kyle Larson to win stage one, stage two, and the race. Not a bad yeah, day. and I'm thanking my lucky stars that he won stage two. I mean, th- without that caution, after he somehow yeah. saves it from hitting the wall, I mean, to be honest, I, I could look back and say that that might have been, even though those bets cashed, they were terrible bets. That car was not as good as I thought it was going to be. So if I'm truly objective, I shouldn't not have had him to win all three stages. Uh, that's I got lucky to do it. So I'll, I'll cat. I'll take the tickets. Like I'll take the wins. Take them. Hard yep. to win. Yeah. But, yep. Um, yep. but if I if I'm sitting here and I'm being completely honest with everyone, that was not a car you should have had first stage, second stage, and to win the race. Well, it shows you what a clean air can do um, there. It's interesting because I equate you know my betting cards and what I've won, what I've lost. You said about Mike, Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500. I, I just saw my uh, Penske cards going up in flames there. But it's so much so like uh, you could tell me any – I could tell you any golf course I've played, what the shots were. I almost could tell you any bets you've had from what, us talking <laughs> every Sunday uh, or, or yeah. myself as well. I You know uh, – Brian, I had the uh, Chicago one as well. I didn't really know what to put, but I put Chicago. I thought that was really cool, knowing that there was a lot stacked against the series. And for them to come out and put on an event in Chicago, it was very successful. Vastly different. We know that there's some bigger picture elements there, but SVG coming out, uh, winning that track house, uh, really cool moment there. How about uh, most improved? Um, Worm, I'm going to start with you. Most improved. I mean, I feel like it's easy to say Chris Busher, right? Like that's clearly um, that's clearly the guy. But I, I don't know. Willie Willie B got it done six times this year, okay. and I'm not saying yeah. that he was a hack before that. But winning races is hard, and we yeah. haven't seen guys go out there. And I think he just what was fascinating, and I thought the the success that this 24 team had was just their consistency. 
They were a, a top five car in speed at almost every race. They made very little mistakes on pit road. They were they found themselves restarting in the top two roads multiple times, and he was opportunistic. I think it was just a great mm-hmm. season for this 24 team. And I wasn't saying that they were they were terrible last year or anything, but uh, I think that Chris Busher is probably the the easiest choice. But I, I'm going to go ahead and say William Byron winning six times is not easy for for anybody. Okay, so William Byron, yeah, I think you're right. Six wins there. How about you, Brian? What do you think most uh, improved this year? I mean, I know this team did not run bad for who they are last year, but for me, Michael McDowell and that team to come out and finish yeah. 15th in points this year knowing that they are not part of the Ford plus program. They do not get very much. If any manufacturer help, they had a little bit of a alliance with uh, Roush on some certain technical bits, but man, this is all that small team and everything that they did. And to go out and outrun a lot of their Ford fellow Ford um, uh, teams uh, and and go out, win a race. I, I just, I'm blown away by the things that that team did this year. And I'm so happy for them. Hopefully they have bigger and better things coming in the future as well. Well, I like that we all have three different drivers. And I actually have uh, Bubba Wallace, a guy that had career highs in laps led, average start, average finish, top 20s, top 15s, top 10s, top fives. The only thing he did not have is a win. He got that team into the top 10 uh, in points. So uh, that was a huge success by them. And and Chris, you and I talked uh, a lot about how our respect for Bubba, we need to really be taking him serious on virtually every track. Now we can put the road courses to the side, uh, but he really, that team really showed, he showed a lot of maturity, which showed on the track and, and TRD, the 23 team, they had a lot of speed. So uh, that would be the thing that, you know, the driver I was kind of looking at the most uh, from that. He was more consistent this year too. You know, we didn't see him have kind of those mental meltdowns that he's had in the past where he goes from, you know, being the best car in stage one, losing some track position and then completely just losing his mind and barely getting a top 20. You know, we actually saw him, you know, kind of keep it together and start to race like an adult. And once Mm -hmm. I think that his biggest thing is he needs to start believing he deserves, he belongs to be there because to be honest, everyone else does. And he always has this Mm -hmm. chip on his shoulder. Like, Oh, no one thinks we should be here. It's like, no, no, no. We all think you should be yeah. here, Bubba. Yes. Like this yeah. is this is a you thing, not yeah. anything else. So I also I I almost said Bubba too. So I'd, I'd agree with with both of those. And Bubba, he yeah. fought a lot of adversity out of his his own hands. I mean, from pit yes. crew mm-hmm. issues to Correct. getting wrecked. I mean, he had a lot of incidents this year that weren't of his doing. Correct. And he was able to rebound as good as he could, uh, keep his head on his shoulders, and and find these good finishes that he deserved. So. Um, yeah, he is trending in a very, very good direction. I agree. I think I, I agree, Brian. I think that this, this 23 team is, is going places. I really do. Yeah. I think 2311 as a whole with the 45, the 23, it's just going to be, they move into a new shop here in about 60 days. Uh, it's going to be a, an, an interesting thing to see what happens going forward for them. Uh, biggest disappointment. Uh, just kind of kick this off. Chase Briscoe, SHR as a whole, you can put them all in there. Chase Briscoe was a round of eight car the year before they really were out to lunch. Uh, what felt like the entirety of 2023, uh, a lot of times, you know, in stage one, going a lap down, this was a guy uh, in his, you know, still relatively young career 
uh, where a lot of people just kind of put that extra thing. And Chris, you talked about him uh, when we did the episode on episode 11 about how this is a guy that if he's qualifying well, there's a lot of trust that you can put in him. Well, this year we just did not have trust in him at all. Uh, and we saw, you know, obviously Harvick retiring at the end of this year, uh, some different driver things. Al Marola is going to be is out of the 10 and uh, Priest was coming in doing his first year. So, uh, Brian, who is uh, somebody that disappointed in your mind? Biggest disappointment of the year. I mean, for me, my championship pick, Martin Truex Jr. Um, you know, the momentum okay. the, the he had midsummer was yeah. so strong. I mean, I was just dead set on the fact that he was going to get in the playoffs, do Martin Truex number 19 car things, and just ultimately dominate this championship. And not only was I a little bit off, that couldn't have been any further from the truth. We already talked about how disappointing his runs were. Um, how abysmal his runs were in the playoffs mm-hmm. and man i never saw that coming it was that's one of the i think that is one of the worst championship runs in the history of the oh, playoffs yeah. I, I think <laughs> it might be because if we go back to your point the middle of his season was in he looked unbeatable it was like unbeatable. well who's gonna beat truex if you look at if you go back to bristol dirt seventh martinsville third tell be at his d you're gonna have dnfs so if we yeah. throw out the two D, the four DNFs, which have been Talladega, uh, Darlington, Chicago, okay. and yep. Atlanta, where he finished 27th, 31st, yep. 32nd, 29th. Let me read off to you Martin Truex's finishes from Bristol to Watkins Glen. 7th, 3rd, 1st, 8th, 3rd, 5th, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 3rd, 7th, 2nd, 7th, 6th. Are you shitting? Like, you know how hard this sport is? Wow. He made it look easy. Yeah. I was telling people... Like, well, I mean, I think just Truex is going to win. Like, I've never been since, you know, it was, I guess, Larson in 2021, where it's like, you know, how are you going to beat this guy? And yeah. then the absolute wheels fall off. Yeah. I and mean, even, looks- if, even when they fell off early on, even before the playoffs, right? Heading into the playoffs, it was like, oh, they had a bad, bad stack of races here. Mm-hmm. And still, I mean, I was still like, it don't matter. They're, they're that matter. good. Yeah. They're just going to get back in their rhythm and go back to dominating. And it, it got worse. Like it never came. And I just, man, I, what, I just, Oh God. What happens? So Brian, let me, let me ask this question. He looked like one of the cars to beat at Kansas two in the playoffs. Like, and he runs over something on pit road or something and scores that just DFL last, no points, nothing. What happens if he goes out there and runs top three or even has a race-winning car and wins that race? Do you think that that kind of changes things for this whole team? It's, I guess there's too much to say, right? I mean, when I, when I look at it, you know, I, I kind of compare it to, and it's, it's similar but very different, obviously, to 2020 when Harvick ultimately yeah. fell out of the playoffs, right? Yep. And a lot of the things were just out of your control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously I think there was maybe just two or three weeks there where they were out of control with Harvick, where we saw, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 straight weeks of just poor performances or issues with that 19 team. Yeah, but I mean, point. it doesn't even have to be things that, that you did. You could still have the performance, but if you hit walls and in the back of your mind, it, something's going to happen and, and you don't have that swagger and that confidence that I talked about that they had all summer long. Yeah. These, these things just kind of fall apart without, without you even, they just crumble through your fingers yeah. and you can't do anything about it. And if it's, it's not so one weird. thing, it's another. 
Correct. And I think Martin even said that uh, multiple times, like, man, it just, we just can't do anything right, whether it be your fault or not. And, and again, some years it just ain't your fucking year, man. You know what I yeah. mean? And mm-hmm. that was, this year was just not his year. And unbelievably yeah. enough, because they had everything going for him mid season, everything, man. So uh, Chris, for you, just a question, because we look at the 2023 schedule versus the 2024 schedule due to the Olympics, there's going to be some reshuffling that goes on, meaning we're going to be seeing, we're seeing some tracks moved into the playoffs that we did not see this year. How do we, or how are you, I should say, how are you looking at next? I'm not trying to, I'm just, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to get that blood. Maybe I am trying to get that blood uh, level up a little bit. Uh, how are you looking at 2024 schedule versus 2023s for the future well, betters out there? I mean, you can't do it. You're going to throw right. two super speedway races. And I think Atlanta will end up being less than less like Talladega and Daytona as the track starts to wear out. I think it'll, you'll start to see the best cars be able to work their way through the field better than you would at Daytona and Talladega. That is still no excuse to put it in the playoffs. And then you throw two road course races in there. And it's like, I I don't know. There's a reason we have the term road course ringer. It's like a word. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, (laughs) we can't ignore the fact that throwing two road courses in there and two super speedways, it definitely adds an element of chance, which quite frankly, I don't think needs to be added in the sport. Was there something that said Ryan Blaney was a shoe in to win the championship this year? I mean, with five races to go, this guy was hanging on to his last last mm-hmm. lifeline and is able to win by, what, uh, a yard at Talladega and somehow yep. they're able to figure it out, which I'm all for. But we don't need to add. I don't think that we need to add some of these question marks in the playoffs. And I don't know the the intricacies of creating a, a schedule for NASCAR. I'm not saying it's easy, but... I'm saying I wouldn't mind being in the room to hear the explanations as to why they're doing certain things. So uh, from a futures, from a betting perspective, I think it's going to be almost impossible to bet anyone to win the championship. That's not just a value bet at the beginning of the season where you just take a a swing at a guy at at high odds and, and then just ride that out the rest of the year. You're you're not going to slam Larson 10 races in if he looks fast, because that's not going to matter. So at NASCAR, if anybody's listening, make sure you give a seat at the table for Worm next year as you talk about 2025 scheduling. And if you're listening from anybody on the teams, make sure you give Worm a seat at the table as you talk about strategy in race. He wants to be (laughs) in the war room. I need, Uh, I would like, if I could have just a direct line to the tower and to every crew chief, that would be perfect. Then (laughs) then I I would just be happy with that. I don't see why that can't happen. There's you know plenty of things that I'm sure that, that should be no problem. Um, maybe we'll donate money somewhere. Uh, who was your biggest disappointment? Was it MTJ or was it somebody else for him? I forget. Uh, my di- Okay, so I'm going to say this. I My biggest disappointment this year, and I might be going out a little bit on a limb, is Tyler Reddick. Wow. I thought Tyler Reddick, um, he was good. He was only the best car at one road course where we saw him. He was Coda the best at multiple road courses last year. And if you just look in late in the season, they're, they're licking their chops coming to Las Vegas and Homestead. And they just did not perform at those two tracks. And especially at a place like Homestead where we've seen Tyler Reddick win by margins that are like, even in the Xfinity series, like, Hey, like he, he's lapping all, but the top six cars 
And so I, I would say that just his kind of late performance, I thought that he had a chance to to really do something special here in the playoffs, the way that everything kind of worked out with him making it through um, kind of those the, the tough round in, in Fort Worth and Talladega and Charlotte. I thought this set up perfect for him to make a little yep. run in the playoffs and he yep. just kind of disappeared. And you kind of couple that with the expectation of him on road courses. Uh, I think that the field's caught up to him. You know, I think even his boss, Denny Hamlin's caught up to him a little bit. So I would say that that would be my disappointment. The other disappointments, if I want to have an honorable mention of disappointments, would be the way that the five team set up that car at Phoenix. I mean, you had three weeks to get this thing set up and you show up and you're the third fastest car. Uh, I mean, it was quite obvious after practice and qualifying that it was the the 20 and the 12 and the 12 was the best and the 20 was kind of, you know, 1B. And they just, you could tell he was hanging on for dear life. I mean, he he drove the shit out of it that entire race and he couldn't, he couldn't, he was losing spots to Bubba Wallace at Phoenix. And this is a championship four contender. And to see that first run, Bubba Wallace pass him, not hating on Bubba, but he's not a guy at Phoenix where you expect him to go out there and run the top five and pass Kyle Larson. So that would be my my second disappointment. Um, yeah, you texted me on Sunday. You're like, uh, Bubba? And I was like, well, he's in a spaceship, literally and figuratively. Uh, <laughs> but that was just yeah, one of those things, like you said, seeing Larson kind of struggle in some of these other cars uh, go a little bit stronger. Uh, Brian, one question I, th- I thought I liked, uh, you said crew chief of the year. So why don't you kick that off? Who's your crew chief of the year? Uh, I mean, for me, I'm going to go back to, to Harper on that 34 and it's Travis Peterson. Okay. And again, the things that team is doing by themselves and out, outperforming teams with triple the budget, almost a hundred percent more, almost hundred percent more than of the manufacturer support. Um, and to see that team go out there and compete the way they did this year is really, I don't know how they do it. I really cannot sit here knowing how working have worked for a elite cup team. And I do cannot sit here and tell you how it's possible that they can go perform the way they did this year. And, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is Blake Harris and what he did to that team last year before moving to the 48, but Travis Peterson, man, uh, he's obviously got something. He's got his guys, um, with their heads down and, and confident and uh, focused. And, man, that I've just completely impressed with what he's done over there this year. Okay, so the 34 car gets a little bit more love over there. How about you, Worm? Who was the uh, crew chief uh, that, you know, really uh, impressed you this year? And and this is going to be more recency bias, but I thought Adam Stevens, what he did at the Charlotte Roval when everyone was pitting and undercutting and, everyone's staying out and he was he was able to pit give up two points in the stage and flip the stage it's like how the hell did no one else think of this that was running kind of in the back half of like like anywhere from like third to seventh at that time to re- to actually someone go out and do the math say hey if we undercut this where are we going to come out at um and then i don't think that i actually don't think that chris bell had ever I mean, he looked good in practice at some places, but the adjustments that they were able to make and, and take the, that Vegas car, which was barely, you know, a lead lap car, make enough adjustments, make the right call, give himself track position to go out there and, and potentially win at Vegas and then go on there and, and win at Homestead. 
man, that's two years in a row where they've kind of done just a great job of getting finishes and getting to that final four. Um, I would say the uh, my honorable mention is going to be Rodney Childers. I mean, the <laughs> SHR was behind the eight ball. I'm not saying that they brought the fastest car to the track week in and week out, but damn, they worked on that thing all weekend. And, you know, sure as shit, 20 laps ago, Kevin Harvick ran the top five when he did not look like a top five car at any point in the weekend. So those would be my two. I'm going to go with a guy that had four drivers race for him this year. Any ideas? Any quick guesses who had four drivers racing for him this year? Alan Gustafson. How about that? He had uh, Corey LaJoy. He had obviously Chase Elliott, Josh Berry, who finished second at Richmond, and he had Jordan Taylor uh, at Coda. So this is a guy, this team, right? And this is kind of why I wanted to go this way. They were battling in the owner's points in the final eight. They had an opportunity to advance in the owner's points after you know, having chase out for so many races and just seeing the championship efforts by this team uh, or, or crew chief, that leadership. So that was kind of the guy I wanted to uh, highlight there. Uh, I think all that you guys said was very good as well. That's a hell of an um, angle you pitched for that right? crew chief. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, right? I'll give you that, but let's look right. at where Chase Elliott just ran at Phoenix. His driver rating was 59. Chase I'm Elliott's driver at the- rating was at 59. 30,000 30, feet in the hey, air looking listen, down. If, if you're, it's like you, you had four different drivers and they were still competing in the owner's championship. Okay, I'll give you that. But yeah, that, that's my explanation. So that, yeah, that's hey, pretty no, damn good that, explanation. That's the only one that works for that. that <laughs> I, I, will, I will say he doesn't deserve the shit he's been given this year, though. I agree. Well, no. the whole issue, well, let, let's go back. Was it at what Watkins Glen when they ran out of gas? Yes. Like, yep. Oh, by the way, yeah. I'm an yeah. idiot that bets on the sport. And I knew when they said you can go two <laughs> laps, I'm like, two laps? You go two uh, laps at Dover. You right. can't go two laps at no. Watkins Glen. I feel like there must have been a, uh, I don't know, a, a conversation, a brain fart. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I, I no think, one that thought that you could no. go two laps. There's no one that said you could go four and a half miles. There's no one that thought that. But, <laughs> yeah. Something happened where it was like like a consultation in, at a barbershop where they accidentally said, no, buzz the top when you meant buzz the thighs. <laughs> right, right. Like, exactly. That's what happened. Something like so that. I yeah. get that. Yeah. All right. That single-handedly was the dumbest crew chief moment of the year, and I just got my guy wrapped up in both of those. So uh, that's good. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you put another one here, uh, Brian, and I'm going to give you the floor first worm uh, organization of the year who in your opinion was the organization of 2023 that impressed you the most okay i think not what they did on the track but i think that this the moves that they made for next season i think spire they they put a lot of money into this and i think that they're gonna try to be competitive and i think it's nice seeing these you know i guess for lack of a better term like smaller market teams making moves with drivers to try to get more competitive. Um, so I don't know. I think organization of the year is t- like, uh, I mean, I guess I had to pick JGR. Like, I don't know. They were kind of the best top to bottom, but I, I'm going to say Spire just because I like someone taking a chance and spending money um, mm-hmm. to go get something done. So I, yeah. I'm looking forward to to see their progress next year. I think Spire's a good answer. I think uh, next year is going to be a lot like it was in 2022, where we saw 15 plus winners, uh, you know, almost a w- different winner every week. I think that could lend itself in that way. How about you, Brian? Uh, who was, you know, the 
top organization of the year in your opinion? Yeah, as far as for the Spire deal, I'll be really excited to see how the end of next year plays out and maybe mm-hmm. more of more of the behind the scenes on what is going on over there actually um, comes to fruition because I think I don't think it's just Spire. I think Spire is kind of a satellite team for another cup team preparing to get even bigger. So, um, mm. but yes, like who they? Well, I mean Zane Smith. We all know he's going to track house. Yeah, we all know that that charter is going to track house. So yeah, who, how, how that plays out? How's the how the business side of that transaction plays out? Uh, will be inter- interesting to watch and, and unfold. Mm-hmm. With that said, Spire still went out and got people for every team. They're paying some of the biggest salaries. They bought KBM, that beautiful shop. So um, it's not like they they just went and got Zane Smith at 38 with a little help from Trackhouse and they're going to fuck around. I mean, they they are here for yeah. the future. So, no, yeah. that is a, a good point. I'm just really excited to see how this all plays out because there is a lot going, a lot more than meets the eye to... Uh, what's happening over there um, but for me i think i have to say rfk you know that the the rebound from being the laughing stock of the the elite cup series teams is something very difficult to to do i mean to 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 change the mindsets to change the momentums to change everything about an organization and, and rebound the way they have this year and the other thing i, I could be wrong here <clears throat> if you take their two cars the one thing that I kind of like to look at when I see an organization that is organized and, and working together is their cars are running very close. Whether it be good, bad, whatever it is, their cars are constantly running together. And I would be willing to bet that RFK's cars are probably, on average, closer to each other than any other team in the garage. So yeah, for me, R- uh, yeah, for me I, I, RFK and their turnaround, I think, was a big deal. Yeah, RFK is the the team I had here as well. And and it goes back to 2022 when Brad came on board and started really investing and bringing on different people. And you started seeing that work out. And then they just hit lightning in a bottle. They got a win last year at Bristol and then uh, three wins. You know, it was this year for uh, Chris Buescher. And Brad even said on Sunday after, you know, getting back from uh, him and his wife delivering their son, uh, he was saying about how we're investing in more resources. We're investing in more good people. So it'll be interesting to see the team and, and some of the players on those teams come 2024. But if Brad's saying that, we know what kind of talent uh, he's able in attracting uh, good employees, good workers and all that uh, and building an organization. It'll be interesting to see where that team is at uh, in 2024. Speaking of 2024, let's go with a dark horse and I'm going to let you go first, Brian, uh, but I'm going to text you who I think Worm's going to say. We're going to see how well I know Worm, but go yeah. ahead, Brian. I know. Dark now I'm going to change horse. it. Yeah. Dark horse. It doesn't matter. I, I know it. You're going to mention him at some point. Dark horse 2024. Go ahead, Brian. I'm going to go Zane Smith. Okay, dark. Okay, so Zane Smith. After, after everything I just said, I think they are going to perform. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, he easily finishes top twenty in points and is very capable of making the playoffs with a win. Okay, so you think Zane Smith, and that'll be so interesting then to see what happens with him going into twenty twenty five. Will there be charters? How does that all look? Uh, Worm, how about you? Who's a dark horse yeah, driver in your? Far. Like you got to go fast. Like he's an idiot, but he's a fast idiot. You know, like, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's so hard, so hard to kind of take these, you know, 
smaller teams and go out there and be competitive. But I think that he just knows how to go fast. And I'm not saying he's smart or well, I, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that. Uh, or he's a great decision maker, but I, that's, that's going to take time. He's still young, but ultimately if you've got speed in your race car, he just figures out a way for these things to go yeah. fast. And if you can do that, you'll, you might always have a job in the sport, depending on how, how stupid your stupid moments are, yeah. which yeah. his are high on the stupid meter. Um, it, the things he did in that 42, the things he did in that 42 this year though, are beyond remarkable. So, yeah. Um, you know, to, I think we all could say that we think, you no, know, Gregson, Gregson has a, has a good amount of talent and for, I agree. Josevar yeah. to get in that 42 and really, um, I'm going to say shame him for, for lack of a better word, but I mean, Josevar did a, a, amazing things in that 42 in, in the seat time that he had. Um, but you say, you say Josevar over Zane Smith next year then. I think, so I'll say this. I think Josevar is way more talented than zane smith you heard it here first so. <laughs> i mean i if i'm gonna if i'm if i'm a owner of a let's just say a hair product company and i was going to invest in a a driver i would say zane smith would be that guy i think he is yeah. super marketable he is just from you know he's he's great in the interview setting i just think um you know how many, comes, how many races I'm, has zane smith ran in cup he ran that one for Roush last year, which he looked phenomenal in. Yeah, maybe six. Has he ran it's that many? Much. Okay, so I, not, I, can, I mean, okay, I'm, yeah. All right, I'm gonna go on, Chris. That. He ran so a couple this year. I just think most okay. of our right now. If I just look at who who is a guy that goes fast, um, I would say that that Hosevar has done that. And I don't know. I guess that's gonna that was just gonna be my dark horse. I I've kind of been over this a few times that I just think he just goes fast. So we can work on the other stuff, but host host is exactly who I texted Brian. So I knew yeah, of you, course it was. we were going to yeah. say, that. I mean, I'm not, I have not been shy about that. Like that. I think no, I, it was between two guys. It was between host and Eric Jones. And I said, Eric, oh, Jones. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I just assumed that you might, I didn't know who it was going to be, but I was like, Eric Jones was going to be my, is the guy I wrote down because you know, what we saw this team really doing with not a whole lot of backing, uh, as the rumors had it yeah, with Chevrolet and Eric Jones. I mean, the winner of the Southern 500 back in 2022 go goes to certain tracks and really performs. And is a guy that is super talented and TRD is probably, uh, I mean, they're definitely super strong and mild and halves. And that's what you kind of need in this sport. So that's a good point, know that he's going to, he's going to be in a yeah. TRD next year. I, I really like that. So, yeah. um, yeah, interesting there about host of our, um, not, I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, how about your champion too early to call worm? Don't worry about pricing. Don't worry about anything like that. But who do you think, uh, will hoist the mantle in 2024 early worm or early call next year? Um, while you're thinking, yeah, I just feel like I'm, I'm going to get crucified for this. If I like pick someone, oh. um, who do I think? I think, gosh, I really want to pick Brad Keselowski. Oh, I really I like that. Brad I like that. I think that he's been close. He's been the best car a few times, kind of late in the season. I think when it comes to talent, he's as talented as they get. Yeah. And I, I think that this team is on the uptick. I, I, I would say 
I would say it's him or 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 Redick would kind of be my two. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say Brad Keselowski could win this thing if the cars are underneath him. I trust Brad week in and week out to get the best finish possible out of that car. Okay, so Brad K for you. Uh, were you thinking the same thing, Brian? Brad Keselowski, or was it somebody different? Definitely somebody different. I'm going uh, going with uh, Kyle Larson for a redemption year. I think I don't know. I I have a lot of faith in Cliff Daniels. I think both of those together are just a tough duo. I think they're smart. I think they're fast, um, and I think they're going to be pissed off heading into next year with their performance that they had at Phoenix. You would go with the front. You really went out like on the limb there. Yeah, you would do that. <laughs> oh, you but with that Larson's being said, gonna be good next I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go with the 24 and 24. Um, so whatever 24 that's worth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Byron, obviously six wins this year, taking that next leap. We know he's really good at Phoenix. Again, that's where you have to be really good at. Um, and just kind of some of those closing opportunities down those tracks. So. Uh, good stuff. You know, just kind of wanted to touch on some of those, Brian. I thought those were some good conversations um, there. Anything else, Brian, that we didn't get to kind of touch on that you wanted to at all? No, I thought that was a great rundown. It was fun to to chat about and, you know, recap the year. It was a really good year for, I think, NASCAR as a whole. I think, you know, you look back at 2022 and just think of how much of the concentration, how many of the storylines, um, how many of the narratives were focused on, off track problems, whether it be car issues yeah. or fires or, you know, just a number of things that weren't focused on the on track product. And yes, we do maybe have an issue with the short track road course package, but they're trying. But overall, I think the majority of the conversations were on the racing and what happened during mm-hmm. the race. And, and I think that was a really good thing for NASCAR, the fans and the future of the sport. Yeah, I absolutely agree. How about you, Worm? Uh, you know, we've had you here for a little while now and don't want to take up your entire evening. So anything else that we didn't uh, touch on that you uh, wanted to at all? Or uh, is that kind of cover it in your opinion? No, I just I was kind of shocked that how into the playoff storylines I was this year. Like mm. as much as people want to say, oh, you, you can't have this kind of elimination playoff system. Man, I was every day so into you know how important qualifying was and how important practice was you couldn't you had to be perfect and i i actually appreciate that and i appreciate that someone got hot late and was able to win the championship there's a lot of people like oh blaine disappeared all year yeah that happens all the time in sports by the way so if we're Mm -hmm. gonna kind of if we want to if we want to go up there and um and, and talk about being a real sport. You can't have this shit over 10 races into the season, you know, like you have at formula one. So let's, let's actually have a, you, you got to get hot at the right times. That's the way sports have been the, our, our entire lives. And that's, that's baseball. Look at the diamondbacks and like, just, I, I like that aspect of it. I like having a conversation about what happens when you qualify poorly and you, you, you need to figure out a way to get stage points, you know, and that, factors into your strategy for the entire race like i love that i I love that that's part of racing so i think that'd be the only thing that that i would like to say about the season is just the format i thought was phenomenal this year and there'd be people that are pissed but sorry their driver didn't win you know ryan blaney beat him who they beat who did he beat he beat everybody you know so yeah pulling out a denny hamlin quote from uh, bristol 
it'll be interesting when Netflix, their documentary comes out um, because it'll be really interesting to see some of the behind the scenes elements um, there, uh, you know, about everything. So yeah, that makes it, that makes it really good. And, and Brian, you know, I, you know, it was a good season. I know there was a lot of change for you, um, but what's something that you're looking forward to in this off season coming up? What off season? Um, yeah, just again, uh, you know, when I, when I left Stuart Haas racing, the biggest thing I wanted to do with the next six months was relax. Um, again, relax, realign is what I always said. And, and I think for the most part, I have done that. Um, really excited just to take this next month, November off, do a lot of sitting around, you know, we got Thanksgiving, <laughs> uh, you know, just, wow, yeah, hang out. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't worked the last three days. I just sat at home, uh, did some housework uh grilled out and um relaxed and that's what i'm gonna do i think for the rest of this month so um you know a lot of things in the future that that we'll be able to discuss Uh, i'm really excited about uh next year's cup season and all the possibilities and opportunities that it holds how about for you worm what's the off season look like uh for you i know you said about reading books and doing different things Uh, i know you keep busy uh, you obviously have a, a, a hair. I'm a, no, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to beg Fox and NBC to give me a position as a, a betting like analyst. And then yeah. I'm going to quit if they say no. I'll just be like, fine. Apparently, you guys don't want to embrace this. <laughs> yeah. I'm done sugarcoating yeah. what I'm trying to do. The fact that every sport on earth has betting analysts and yeah. NASCAR doesn't, yet their partners sponsor cars is an absolute joke. So, um, that's going to be my, you know, yeah. Hey, Fox, uh, your broadcast has been phenomenal the last few years. I roll, um, you know, could you use some help with maybe some other stuff on there other than, you know, taking Clint Boyer's money. So that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tweeted out today. Uh, who knows what the industry looks like for many of us, because just the lack of investment from, um, uh, you know, for many reasons, just there's not really that conversations going on. We've been at it for the last few years talking about that. So I, I think your strategy of, of doing that, reaching out to NBC and Fox and, and hope that works out because that would be really cool to see those elements really take shape. We know, uh, you know, Brian, I know you, uh, necessarily can't, uh, but North Carolina is going to be uh, a legal betting state, which will be huge for the sport and a lot of different reasons. It'll, so- it'll change. It'll change a lot. Having the, the, the state actually have odds and, and then yeah. people are at least going to be talking about it. And I know that people inside of NASCAR, they can't do it, but you know, dirty Modo does a, a good job. So shout out to them. They're at least talking about it. And Denny's talking about it on his podcasts and, you know, there's, listen, NASCAR is hands down the best sport on earth to bet on. And in, yeah. in, in NASCAR needs to be screaming that from the mountaintops. Like not many times you get to bet an entire NFL season every week. You bet who's going to win the Super Bowl every week. Okay. So who's going to win the race? It's the same odds, right? You're getting, you know, six, seven, 10 to one. And then you have group bets. Those are like division bets. Like, you know, you have Group A. It's going to be the same as the NFC North. So you can bet on Chris Bell and Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and William Byron. You can also bet on the the Packers, the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears. Like, and you do that every single week. And then you have head-to-head matchups. Those are the games. Like, they need to be screaming this from the top of the mountains, and they're just not. And so, 
I have so many people in my life. I can think of probably a circle of 50 people that watch every single NASCAR race because they bet on it. And you know what happens when they start betting on it? They start developing an opinion. Like my dad Mm -hmm. knows if he just follows every single one of my bets, he will make money at the end of the year. What does he do? He asks for my bets and then tells me the bets he's making as well. And it's like, he goes, I can't help it. Like, I just think Logano's going to finish top five. And it's like, it doesn't matter what I tell him. He's betting that. And the fact, yeah. and that's the beautiful part about the sport and betting on it is you're going to develop an opinion. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be, you don't have to make money. You can do it for fun. It is fun cheering on those last couple laps when Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson are going for a win and you have one driver, you don't have another. So um, that's what I'm going to be doing in my off season. Why do you think that hasn't happened yet? Uh, all, well, the all things go podcast. NASCAR, yep. NASCAR is a sport that is owned by one, one family. Mm-hmm. And if they don't see it your way, yep. That doesn't matter. And so if you look at these other teams, like the 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 president of NASCAR is not the same as Roger Goodell. Like Roger Goodell works for the owners. You don't mm-hmm. work for the owners when you're the head of NASCAR. So, you know, whatever it is, it, the biggest thing with NASCAR is for me, where do you get outside opinions? If you look at just the PGA Tour, yeah, Brando Chambly and David Duvall going at it and having a conversation like, I think mm-hmm. this or I think that. All NASCAR is, is just like, it's all former drivers. It's all people that they just, they know the sport so well. They never really disagree with each other. There's no outside. There's no Adam well, Schefter. There's they, no all, they all work. They all work for, for, um, broadcasts or things that are, that are basically tied to NASCAR. There's no individual. There's no, um, there's no one commenting like, right. What does this person think's going to happen? There's no, no, there's no Billy. Who does Billy Walters think's going to win the game or what are his bets or mm. Krakenberger? Like all of these professional yeah. people, like, you know, I, I love Colin Coward or I used to until he disagreed with me on a NASCAR topic and he read my email online and I got really pissed at him. He minced my words anyway, but at least he's out there talking right. about the sport and commenting yeah. every day. You just don't have that in NASCAR. There's no one that sits down before the race and disagrees with Kyle Petty, which is just easy. And same with Jeff Burton and like actually having a conversation. They just kind of play patty cake and then they yeah. send oh, it off to the booth. Exactly. Exactly. You're exactly. The, only, that... the only people that do that is honestly DBC and they get so yes. much hate and so much yep. criticism because of it. And that's part of the problem is you know, everybody, we we see these sports, these other sports have these things, these conversations, these shows, these people. And NASCAR doesn't have it. Like I said, it's all tied back to the series and they kind of control what is being said and shown. And it has opened up a ton over the past decade. And like I said, I can tell you from personal experience, the amount of things you're allowed to say now would, wouldn't fly even sure. remotely close to 10 years ago. But yeah, there and is your no... Point. What does DBC say every week? Well, probably going to have to bleep that out, or yeah. we're going to have to not say this or not right. say that. It's like yeah. they're, no, so worried, they're so worried about they're so, so worried about the um, the visual aspect of it, I guess. But really, it's pushing the sport way farther than it ever would. Regardless, I mean these these shows, these conversations that we have now, um, you know, it's it's sad that. There isn't more going on. There aren't, aren't more people able to showcase the sport and have great conversations about it. I would love for 
someone to like these analysts and, and I'm not, I think it's so important that Dale Jr's in the booth. I think it's important that Boyer's in the booth and Harvick's in the booth. And, and then they say some stuff that like is just so wrong, the blatantly wrong. And I wish someone was in there and say like, um, I'm sorry. Did you just say Ryan Newman's lap times were in the top 10? Uh, I'm sorry. Ryan Newman in the 51 is not running top 10 lap times, Jeff Burton. Like, where did you get that information? If that's the case, he just pitted because he's a Darlington. Like, I, like, there's just no disagreement. Like, when was the last time you saw an argument outside of DBC or even with Denny's podcast between him and his munchkin? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand. Like, why can't we have? Why can't we have disagreements? Let's go see what happens on the track. Let's see who's right. I want that. I think that'd be great for the sport. Yeah, I would. I would too. It'd be curious to see what happens when this. I, I guess it has to happen now, right? Because in 2025, and from a production standpoint, it's all going to move towards NASCAR producing uh, or showcasing the producers and the talent and all that. So it almost what you're saying, Worm, it has to happen in 2024, or it might not ever happen. I mean, you never know. Time changes a lot. You like. Yeah you know, and they get into the streaming world that offers way more opportunities, you know? So I'm not going to say that it's like now or never because it just time, anything can change. So, um, but it's also one of those things where we're only going to do this for so long before we get some sort of help or like, or, or is it just like, listen, if you're not a part of NASCAR, you weren't a crew chief or a driver, you don't get to comment. You don't, you don't, that's just, and that's what it seems like right now. You look at Race Hub, mm-hmm. you look at um, I, I guess Sirius XM. I guess they may they probably do some different stuff, but it's the same guys every week yeah. taking calls from fans. Like, I don't want to take a call from a fan. It's like, well, I think that Chase Elliott had the best car last week. He just got caught up in traffic. It's like, yeah, he had a driver rating of 59. You're telling <laughs> me right now that he had the best car and he went out there and qualified in the mid-20s and was able to drive his way all the way up to 16th. Like, my worry is it's gonna have to take an independent person or entity to do this it's not going to come from the broadcasters it's not going to come from the series it is going to have to be a completely independent um something because to be able to share your opinions in the way that you're asking for without any pushback or repercussion um it's not going to come from from those three areas it's not going to come from a team it's not going to come from a broadcaster and it's most likely not going to come from nascar as long as it gets support from drivers, that will work. There has to be someone that's retweeting or posting or saying, I agree with this person said, or I, because mm-hmm. NASCAR is not going to do that. NASCAR is not going to hop in and say this. Um, so I don't know. I, I, there's such a market that we're missing of, of people that aren't legacy fans. Like, Legacy fans already know who Kevin Harvick is. They already know who Clint Boyer is. Like, the, you want to capture a new audience? You need a new something that's fresh, that that's different than just, well, you know, uh, when I was racing here, you got to save your tires. Yeah, no well, shit. And Jeff you know Harvick. what? I'll be willing to bet that what you're talking about is not on the track. It's off the racetrack what you need to do to get the, these new fans a hundred percent it's off the track a hundred percent having diplo i thought was great like a little different than what you see at a nascar race but mm-hmm. it was also a little bit younger like there were more people kind of like fist pumping in the crowd like it was different than 
you know, having just a, a country concert. Not that anything, not that I don't like country, but like you have to reach a different fan. Look at the Indy 500. They have a full on like like festival there at the track. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's a ton of people that show up to that event. So I think you're right. It needs to come outside the track. The racing, that's going to take care of itself. That's going to be a slow thing. But there's there's something NASCAR can do where get a new, fresh perspective in there. Because it's the same perspective yeah. every year. It's the same yeah. thing. So I like it. Well, uh, I'm uh, rooting for you. And, and hopefully... You know, this will in the next 65, 70 days or so, uh, we can have more conversations be having you back on and uh, hearing maybe what's in store for you with 24, assuming some of those things happen. So, uh, Chris, I know you do so much in, you know, you and Todd Furman, you do the the uh, Stay Green podcast, Bet the Board, you do the pre-race poll, which was super successful this year. Um, how can everybody just kind of follow you and just follow along with what you're doing in the offseason? I don't yeah, know how... Um, uh, Assuming you're going to do um, what Worm learned again uh, in 2023. I don't know. That's a lot of work to do a race that a day. Um, I forgot you did that know. until I heard that. And I was like, a race a day. A race that's, a day. I would rewatch a race a day and then give a recap. That would get to be, that's getting to be hard. I don't know what I'll do from an off season perspective. I'm probably going to relax a little bit like Brian, do some reading, do some cooking, yep. do some grilling. But uh, yeah, you can be follow on Twitter at Chris Wormy 15, you know, follow at bet the board pod there. Yep. That's where we um, kind of have our, our NASCAR betting uh, platform under that, uh, that bet the board umbrella. And then this, the pre-race poll is just, I'm not super good at social media. Uh, Brian pointed that out the other day um, <laughs> that it was work, incredibly Brian. tame for what I have to offer. Uh, thank you, Brian, for that. Um, and then I don't know, just, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Do the pre-race poll about an hour and a half before the race and just kind of chat about bets and um, try to make it enjoyable and, and get fans to understand what the expectations are for the race going in. Yeah, well, always appreciate having you on and uh, talking as much as we did this year. So thanks again for giving of your time uh, each and every week and, and joining us here. So best of luck with everything, Worm, and uh, happy off season. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. We now welcome on Greg Morgan. And uh, Brian, you talked to me a little bit about Greg. I know he's involved in what you're doing over there in the you know, E-Murphy Esports or Murphy Esports uh, on that side of things. Uh, great paint schemes with the All Things Go and you and Devin. And uh, really cool to understand a little bit more about what you were saying with Greg. So, uh, Greg, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you having us. It's been a great deal of learning more about uh, iRacing. Yeah. yeah, and Greg, before we before we jump into the eye racing and um, you know Cardano Hosky, uh, you are a racer yourself. You have a, a major background in fabrication. Um, when it comes to stock cars, you've done it, and you've seen it. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about um, your racing background and um, you know all the all the cool things you've done. You've twenty four hours of Daytona winner. I mean, like I said, you've done a lot of things. Yeah, um, yeah, I've. Just uh, I've been playing with cars since I was little. Uh, my dad did it when I was a kid. He was a, a pit stopper. He was over the wall with um, the Kelly Arborough car, Benny Parsons car, like in the oh, 80s. Wow. So wow. like as a kid, I get to see it as like, OK, that's, you know, dad on TV kind of thing. So I'm going to go do that. And obviously, Mor- oh, shit, sorry, Mooresville lets that happen. You know, like you can just go put, put your time in, put your hard work in and eventually you're, you know, you're over the wall. So, uh, yeah, I just found um uh 
fabrication was kind of easy. I like to draw and stuff. So like that came welding came easier to me. Um, people that were body hangers were making good money and stuff. So I gravitated towards that, you know, um, obviously like, uh, you know, I have the history with Tom and the performance center thing and the late models. So, you know, those were times where you wore many hats. And so that kind of became the theme for the rest of what I was doing was find small teams. You know, Schrader's was a small team where you you're working on the truck and the trailer and the race car and, you know, whatever it took. So, yeah, I think I just would rather, you know, ran through the career, you know, kind of on that small team frame, you know, enjoying that part of it. Um, and it, I'm going to have to get some, some pictures from you so we can, you know, put on our Twitter and everybody can see, cause you have a lot of pictures of, you know, you, you posted one today of, of the body panels used to English wheel, the fenders. I mean, you were in the thick and thin when it was hand built pieces of art. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so make sure, uh, make sure I get with you so you can, um, we can show some of those cool pictures from, uh, especially I remember, you know, the Schrader days, um, and then the Arca series and. Uh, you know, really when that series was at the height of its creativity uh, and all the cool things you did, but also talk about real quick uh, after your time in the Arca series and in NASCAR, you moved over to, uh, you know, the Dodge Viper team with, um, uh, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank. Riley. Um, yeah, Riley. Uh, yep. Maybe talk about the differences going from a body hanger in NASCAR to, you know, the things you were doing on that Dodge Viper team. Cool. Yeah, that was definitely uh, an eye opener. It was 2014 is when I finally said, okay, um, I'd, I'd done COT cars for a while. Uh, you know, like uh, Arca was going to the standard body and everything. And it was just like, all right, if I'm going to work on something that's the exact same, it's going to be cooler looking than this. And so the Viper fit that bill where it was beautiful. You know, it's like the, the shapes of it are just awesome. Um, so you uh, thrown right into that where you know, you're able to weld the chassis too, because, you know, as a body hanger, you kind of doing everything and uh, learning to TIG weld early on, they want all the chassis TIG together. So like that just fell right in. Um, the differences in the worlds were great because it was like a finishing school. Um, in stock car land, we learned it like off the hip, off the tape measure. And here it's a CAD drawing. It's an exact figure. It's you know, to this nanometer. So it was, learning how to use the mill to like the fifth decimal and stuff and learning how to, how to, you know, build fixtures and learning how just, you know, again, like the higher level of putting cars together more pre precisely, I guess, rather than just us hillbillies just putting them together every six days and you know, tearing it up and doing it again, tear it up, do it again. These cars never really got tore up. I mean, a bit, you know, occasionally you know, bang up in, in a rear clip or something maybe, but like not on the scale of what we are used to. So that world was cool because uh, we jumped in with a lot to offer. Um, a lot of those guys really came out of the, um, the what do you call it, like the dealership world, the ASE world, where they were master certified mechanics on uh, that respect. But um, uh, when it came to racing, they didn't have the amount of laps and years of laps that we were able to put in. You know, they might have been going to 24 hour races and running more miles there, but their series was 12 races and you know with between late models and legends and stuff we could run 12 races in like august and september you know so <laughs> like we just we you know ran circles around them and just experience of highway experience of just life experience or just racing experience or just whatever so you you jumped up the ladder pretty quick on that stuff so 
by the time it came, you know, those guys I easily saw like, all right, well, you're not just as fabricated a corner. You're going to the racetrack with us and then your rear mechanic. And so that's every bolt B post back, which is a nightmare when you think of how complicated the back of that car is air conditioning, you know, like we've never had to deal with air conditioning on a car other than, you know? Um, so yeah, that, and then of course, you know, your pit stopper. So you're, you're, you're responsible for this tire and whatever other, you know, job there is during that stop. So yeah, you're again, a, a, a big team, a big effort. Cause it was SRT. It was, um, you had Dodge like factory help everything, you know, like it was a, a real high end deal. Uh, uh, what's it? The garage, um, or the garage monkey sponsor, you know, that was a big deal with those guys. Um, but like, it was a small team feel because we were really five guys like getting it done, you know, like when it came down to it, there might've been 50 people in the picture, but you know, on that team, the, the guys that are attacking the car and directly you know, making that happen, it's kind of a small niche. Well, um, so let's talk a little bit about your, your, your new modern day, uh, um, <laughs> Uh, specialty here uh you kind of put down the a little bit of fab tools a little bit and uh you know we, you've started into the crypto world and you know i've after seeing you over the last couple of years you know now i've been able to uh talk with you learn with you still a long way to go but we've both introduced this uh cardano sponsorship to cardano and husky sponsorship to uh, murphy esports um, with our driver devin and the asr cup series that runs every tuesday um, you know, the first thing I, I want to say is, you know, just out of the box, it's it's so much fun to see how enthusiastic um, this group is, not only about um, showcasing uh, all the things that they have to offer, which we'll get to, um, but their passion for motorsports. I mean, these guys are sponsoring, um, you know, Trent Barnes, you know, you work with Trent Barnes in the late mile stock world around the southeast, and they sponsor his late mile stock car. And, um, you know, all the things and all the, the fun activities that we've done over the past week through the iRacing, maybe talk a little bit about what Cardano is, what Hosky is, and their involvement in motorsports. All right. Um, the involvement in motorsports is, um, is totally me. Like, it's me forcing the issue. Um, I had an opportunity with the Barnes family where they were, you know, Trent and Doug, we'd been racing with them for probably 10 years that we'd been taking them from legends to late model and all that. And so now they were 20 year old adults and the dad was more like, okay, I'm, you know, the kids aren't cut off, but like, you know, they're going to have to come up with some kind of sponsorship and learn the business, learn the ropes, all those kind of things. And, and if you want to help them with that, here's opportunity. Well then blam. All right, let's, let's blast Cardano down the side of it. I'm a Cardano pool operator running bone pool. And like, it's my best interest to showcase the world, like what the, what the rails of Cardano are able to, to do. And, and, and we're more after your minds of your, of your circles. Like who are the really smart people in your circle? Who's the IT professional that's going to understand what the hell we're talking about. And so we're in this phase where it's still building we're building tools and building things that um, make the world easier, make it easier for grandma's kind of one of the catchphrases. So it's, you know, button friendly. Um, uh, a year ago, it was more complicated. Two years ago, it was really complicated. Five years ago, it was stupidly complicated. And in, and even today, you can see what the wallet you have today is, is a, is one of the, the eternal wallet plug, um, is one of the, you know, 
more complicated wallets and what you can do, but like it's really streamlined and it kind of lets it happen. Like it's the transactions not going to fail if it's kind of queuing it up for you. Like as you're queuing it up, it's making sure it's happening. And there's a lot of little checks and balances that go into making that happen today that just wasn't there not long ago. So I'm rambling about wallets, but the, um, the excitement around the motorsports um, was I was a pool operator. I was involved in the car. I was building the car. I was repairing it. I was able to go live with them and show them, you know, in the shop was ripping the motor out of it. And that just, you know, them went off about that kind of stuff and, you know, welding on something, being able to set up the video and show you building the exhaust backer. I mean, you know, every part of the late model that you've got it always is tore up. Um, so I think that added a, a you know, the human element to the sponsorship, you know, that that Hosky then jumped onto because I was blasting Cardano on my own, you know, like it's a an open source system. You know, there's no corporation of Cardano. There's several corporations that make up the, the, the things that are built on it and the way that it's built. But there is no one to go after, like for money or for sponsorship, you know, at the corporation, you know, like there would be if it was McDonald's. Um, so then the idea came up of, well, there's there's some hype around it. People were you know, like liked seeing the car and everything, liked what I was doing. And so how do we be part of it? And so I was approached by Hosky's artist, um, the the big Lahosky's his handle on Twitter. And again, like how much to get on the car. And then it was like, how much for more races? You know, how much for several races? You know, and I was like, oh, shit, like this is actually a thing. And then like, you know, when Hosky was a big kind of a big deal and in, in, in Cardano selling so many NFTs, other people kind of gravitated to it and like, hey, I want to also be on that car. I want to also, you know, how much to be a piece of the quarter panel. And that ended up being what got us to the last couple of races was um, sponsorship still pretty bleak in any environment, you know, like grabbing people's, you know, ability to spend that much money on on you know, the expense of racing. Um, so breaking it up into smaller pieces is what helped you know because there was smaller company there were several smaller companies that were interested in smaller mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. if they could be part of the tweets if they could be part of the the pomp and circumstance that we we're trying to create around it so that's been kind of cool very it's, cool it's also really cool too you know when me and devon were talking about trying to find a sponsorship for iRacing right i mean you know how kind of small the iRacing um reach is right now it's growing but um, you know, when you think about finding sponsorship for an eye for eye racing, you kind of have to find something technical, something almost in the same world as eye racing itself. And that's what made this so fun when you know we got to talking is motorsports and the crypto world is is almost in the same digital sphere. And it almost just seems to work so well, like you were kind of talking about a couple minutes ago, where um it's not it's 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 kind of helping each each other at the same time oh, yeah. to you know to to uh you know finish our goals in in different worlds i love the meld of it because um sim racing has become what it's become you know like in the past it, it was a it was a video game it was a joke you know and then now we can go to a track and test something at that track and be 10 moves ahead going into that track from your competitor which is amazing you know like that's just wasn't possible before so being able to present that to this technical crowd of hey here's here's a representation of like the, the live work that we were doing you know for years mm -hmm. and now it's it's on this physics engine that's able to you know give you feedback you know like yeah. as it would really happen 
So I think that's probably the biggest selling factor to the the nerds that I'm hanging out with. Yeah, I mean, and as you talked about how um, you know modern and powerful iRacing is now, Atlanta Motor Speedway pretty much designed and tested on iRacing before it was built. Um, yeah. The Chicago Street Course, very similar thing, designed, tested on iRacing. Not not one of these manufacturer simulators uh, that we see, you know, actual Cup drivers go to each week. This, and I'm going to say, people hate saying this, but for a video game to start designing these racetracks for smaller Xfinity teams, these drivers are using iRacing um, to prepare uh, for race weekends. So it's uh, to your point, it's 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 growing um in in very an exponential way and, and it's it's a really fun thing to be a part of because um it's not as expensive for either drivers sponsors people that want to get into it um and it's reachable by anybody anybody can go do it you know the asrc asr a series you know they try to get some drivers that uh have a lot of experience so that the the races feel professional they have a broadcast you know um, but anybody can go get iRacing. Anybody that's on that's on the internet, you get a little, you know, you get a steering wheel, pedals. Um, any of us could go racing. Um, but maybe talk about, you know, introduce us. So we we have a lot of listeners. Um, I know there's gonna be some Cardano and, and Hosky listeners. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate the support, especially uh in in the iRacing series. But you know, for our listeners that aren't very uh familiar with Cardano and Hosky and um, you know, the crypto world. Uh, maybe you know, give us a little introduction on on what, how, and why. All right. So I and guess I know that's difficult. You know, I'm still <laughs> learning. Like I said, but uh, you know, well, give us a little something. Right. So from the um, punk rock world from the '80s, if you think about that idea that we were doing things because we felt we didn't need permission, you know, we felt like we were, you know, you didn't. You could dress like you wanted, you could do like you wanted, you could build whatever you wanted in that world or, or that idea of a world. So there was no way to really do that digitally. Um, you, you had like Sims or something that would come up being like a, a, a metaverse world or whatever, but like there was no way to own anything that was in it. There was no nothing able to be your possession. So um, really the advent of Bitcoin comes from you know, all the way from the 80s of trying to make a, a an electronic cash, an electronic something, you know, electronic property that's verifiable. And so, so many people along the way have been trying to do this. Um, Bitcoin obviously being the big name in the group, but if you lift the hood and look, man, that thing's old and clunky. Like that's a 57 Chevy in comparison to what's going on now. And so as the industry progresses and as business world gets into it, well, they kind of have to pick up like they being Blockstream or the engineers that kind of keep up that Bitcoin world. So other engineers broke off and tried to, you know, let's let's make our own team and let's go our own way. Let's go. Let's let's build this governance model. Let's build other things. And and that's been since like 2016. These guys got together and and it's been um, they've held true to their mission the whole time. Uh, they put out a roadmap and said, we're going to hit this and this and this by these dates. Now they might've been late on some dates or something, but like if you stand back and look, man, like this thing is actually on, on task, it's on par. Um, but what we're able to do is, uh, and we, I have no, you know, I'm not a computer engineer, so I have no you know, part of it, but just being part of the community, um, what was able to be accomplished is 
of a launch pad for Web3 businesses and Web3 being the uh, the ability to own the asset, the IP, like whatever you're coming up with. If you're an, an artist in any way, whether it's musical, uh, digital, what you know, whatever you're doing, you're putting out something that should be your property. I mean, your podcast right now, your identity, you know, like it should be your property. Like you, like somebody, if there should be royalties had, it should be by you or your family in some way. Um, and so these were the tools that were built and again, needed the, uh, the base layer to be there to build these things without worry of the end user being able to crash the whole damn thing or some kind of hacker coming in using some code that you wrote to get into the bottom of it and screw up the fritzy the whole thing. So a formal method base was needed. And if you look through computer science, that's a really tough task. It's something that takes many years to get through. They send it to universities and have the code beat up and and, and re-engineered to where it's uh okay go back and try again here get through this red ink try again and and so this is what they've built it's what's amazing um none of the other teams have really gone this far and so from this academic side of things we have this robust base layer that you can now start like launching all kinds of things of, for finance of data your um your mortgage your your land your i mean just like it just it goes on and on and on and now that's the quest for people is how many people can come and come up with ideas that we weren't thinking of that somebody in this, these circles aren't thinking of that we trigger their minds to go oh whoa we can actually do that and i don't need a you know a license and, and so there's just all kinds of things that go into why crypto is powerful you know more than uh, the what most people see as, oh, it's a casino, you know, oh, it's just this get rich quick thing to go in there and you just flip this currency for this currency and it's Forex. And okay, well, there is kind of that part of it if you want to play that part, yes. But then there's also this business aspect where it's legal zoom on steroids where you've actually got, you know, possession of it, not depending on Google or Amazon or, you know, a server that's centralized and, you know, and that's the idea of bone pool is, we are a bare metal server. We're one piece of these 3000 nodes that are spread around the world. And we pretty much guarantee that this server doesn't go down. Like, you know, if one, if one of us loses a leg, it doesn't matter. There's, you know, there's still 2,900 of us, you know, still digging and, and growing. So, and there were 750 nodes when I started. So like it's gotten bigger. Um, and that was only like, maybe it's been like three years ago, I guess we started getting into um, validating the network. Yes, what what a what a pool does if that helps. What's interesting, uh, Greg, is uh, well, a couple weeks ago when I saw the car on uh, Twitter, I instantly texted Brian and I was like, "ADA question mark?" Because I just couldn't believe it. I was like, "We never talked about Cardano before. I didn't know uh, how invested he was." And then we we walked through the whole story. Cardano, uh, ADA, if you will, is, is the first coin I ever purchased uh, years ago. Uh, my dad got me into it. Uh, Fifty cents was our first buy, um, you know, years ago, and uh, you know, kind of a closet uh, crypto enthusiast, if you will. Um, that I don't get to talk about a whole lot. So the amount of time I've been spending on coin market cap over the last six years, uh, eight years or so, and just uh, investing or trading at times, you know, kind of some of those things you're doing. So uh, I, I'm right there. I understand that world uh, for sure. And it is really cool hearing Brian talk about it and, and you, you guys' relationship of bringing that element and that world into 
you know, the motorsports family, uh, if you will, for, for that more recognition. Um, so it's really cool. So I, I commend all the work that you're doing uh, as yeah. somebody that is a Cardano, Cardano or Cardano fan. It, it's great to hear, you know, you, you and your dad playing around with it and yeah. And, it, and, and like looking down the list of all the cryptos, you know, people grab them for different reasons, but sure. It, from, I guess, wanting to know like market perspective, like were you presented with Cardano in a way that it was academic or were you just, it, it was just another target on the, on the list. No, definitely, definitely was. Um, it was something that was a strategic investment uh, at the time, obviously, understanding more about what Charles Hoskins was working on. So I don't know, is Hosky a, uh, is that based off Charles Hoskins name or is that a meme, just... Right, a meme off okay. of Hoskins. Okay, right. so, so uh, yeah, so that was, you know, learning early on in the stage, early on the uh, BTC element of ethereum when it was really just bitcoin ethereum uh, and a few others uh but just in that early stage early adapter uh you know kind of period of time so cardano uh was something that was presented to my dad and uh as he and i were talking i'll, I'll never forget where i was and all that of him and i having the conversations of hey here could be uh the next opportunity and uh going through all that so uh i i know i know the price varies uh right now it's what 26 cents i believe it was yeah, last i, I checked it's 24 uh, this morning if, so we got to buy it right now. This is the time to buy, uh, right? Well, so and so, uh, there's one thing to get off on, I think, or to tag off on, maybe. Um, yeah, the price of ADA is one thing, but it's kind of one of those uh, missing the forest through the trees. Uh, if mm -hmm. you aren't able to look into the rest of the ecosystem and the rest of the things building there, uh, the gains have really come from the startups mm -hmm. that have have launched yeah. on that network. So like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, when eight is down, you know, so the people, um, you know, get despondent about the price, but I sure. still sweat for dollars the way I look at it. You know, I'm still like yeah. trading my time for USD. So if, mm -hmm. um, if I can get something that's cheap, you know, and, and I can utilize yeah. the token in the, in the ecosystem, well then that's, that's why I'm, I want, I want more ADA because I, I'm going to go spend it on something cool that someone's making in the ecosystem mm -hmm. that, Either I'm supporting them for you know moral reasons that I want to support this person, or I legitimately like, yeah. oh no, this is this is investment stuff. I'm I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm I'm padding this away like a squirrel. Right. So I'm I'm very spoiled, Greggy, because you know I have you at my fingertips here to to help, and um, you know I've seen all of the things, the the Twitter spaces, the um, uh, you know the Discord chats, all these things. Um, for someone that's trying to invest in cardano um and, and and start their path uh in the crypto world I, I don't even know where to start if you weren't here i wouldn't even know where to begin where to go where to start uh you know give someone some advice let's let's hear something you know where should people go what should people look for um do they go to people like you do they go your you know your website one pool do they reach out um do they find people on twitter like how, how would someone go about starting their journey in this new world I would definitely say spaces is a big deal. Like spaces is the way to find it. If you're going out like on your own uh, to shout out a friend, uh, lidonation.com. He does a lot of initial onboarding stuff where you go to his site and it kind of explains what everything is, you know? Um, so shout out Lido nation. 
Um, Lido is another stake pool. He's another Hosky rug pool, which I'll probably explain into that later. Later, um, but the um, the spaces is probably the easiest way to go there and absorb it in while degens are talking about it in context, rather than just hearing words or hearing somebody talk about it, like uh, you know, uh, out of context. Like go sit in on a space and and try to follow along, and uh, be honest. Uh, NFTs was I didn't understand how it was creating value. I didn't understand how the rarity was made. I didn't understand what was behind it all. So I truly went into spaces to uh, to to learn it. Like I went, I was like, okay, I've got this education on crypto up to up to date. Now NFTs are new to me, also. Like, um, let's figure out how these guys are playing this and, and, and why is this one picture like so cool? And again, you, you finally realize kind of the big thing is it's, it's the data underneath that picture and how it's stored was more of the game, you know, like, yes, there's, there's a level of, is it a Gucci watch? You know, there is that level also, you know, and that holds its value. But then, um, just what, what will the project build become how well is it is how well is their strategy how well is their tokenomics how well is their business built and so that's part of what an nft game kind of what what you look for in how am i going to play this into something that makes me some residual income um it's tough to talk about you know as we're none of us here are professionals to to talk about you know in investment strategies you know you're just goofy guys on the internet talking about things um so it's it's hard in that regard to tell you which way to go, but as far as how to learn it, there is plenty. Um, uh, taking the the deep dive, going into the code and everything, I think, like say that's that's a second level. You know, that's like save that for the next level. I think, um, unless you're just really inquisitive, and then there's a whole lot more to read. Yeah, and you guys have a big community of people um you know is there any kind of shout outs any kind of up things up and coming projects uh for me you know the iRacing thing is is easy you know it's it's something i'm a part of um but outside of the iRacing stuff is there any you know uh, what's coming up with trent the cardano race team and even beyond that is there any any kind of projects or anything that you see that uh, you'd like to give a shout out to well uh to start off with trent uh november 11th is our next race at the fall brawl um, hoping to get as many people excited about that. Um, the um, shout outs in the community, uh, Cardano Nudes is one that, um, and N-O-O-D-Z, Cardano Nudes, uh, he's one that is totally an ambassador. Like he's totally the one that uh, he can iterate it to you in any, in probably four different languages, but to, you know, any different level of your understanding. So like, that's a guy to follow and, 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 follow him through spaces or whatever. Um, uh, Ada whale. <laughs> it's like another guy that's on Twitter. That's just doing it for the community's sake. And, uh, you know, tagging those couple of people, cause they're not really pushing a product or anything. They're really pushing the, this is how, you know, we get people to understand what the hell we're talking about. Cause otherwise, like you said, it's almost impossible to figure out how to weasel your way in and, and understand. But so, yeah, project-wise, Hosky has a 10K drop coming. Um, it's one of those things where you have to be a holder of his initial NFTs. To It's a gift. Uh, so by the lore, as long as you have uh, 40 or 50 of his NFTs, uh, you end up with one of the 10K as a gift. And uh, what it is and 
what it'll be worth and what it does. Uh, again, with Hosky, no promises. You know, like say that the whole shtick is um, it's worthless. Uh, promise nothing, offer nothing, expect nothing. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the best thing to do with Hosky tokens is really to go in the Discord and throw them at their idiots. They love that and they'll throw them back at you. Um, and so rain is one of the aspects of of the wallets you know we can easily go in and uh link a wallet with your discord app and 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 rain down these coins on like like tipping doge was if you ever were part of steam it or anything of people were writing uh, if you wrote a really good article somebody could tip you doge and it was fun at the time because it wasn't worth anything you were giving them you know just these coins and like if it was worth five cents or whatever well okay that's that's great but that's I wasn't giving you five cents. I was giving you these thousand doge or five thousand, whatever million, whatever it was at the time. And so that's kind of what Hosky I kind of like about it is, is it still has that same feel of throwing it around. Like, yeah, there still is the idea of it's some, you know, people collect billions and trillions of them and trade them, you know, and, and, and they'll make the market move. But then for us peons that can't do that, that you can still, cheaply grab these things and throw them around and they throw back at you so your wallet kind of just kind of up and down and up and down if, if you're playing that game or if you enjoy playing that game or playing with the nonsense <laughs> <laughs> well you know i'm really excited again about this um this partnership with with you and the cardano folks and and hosky uh it's a lot of fun a lot of people you know tuned into this past tuesday's race and um you know unfortunately had some computer issues um you know, and, and Devin fell out late, but really excited about these uh, up and coming races and title sponsorships you guys have. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough uh, again for everything uh, that you're doing. And uh, thank you for coming on and um, showcasing what you guys do, what you have to offer. And hopefully here in the near future, we can have you back on. We'll talk more racing, um, you know, more crypto. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it because I can learn even more that way. Uh, you know, it makes me, uh, I understand a little bit more because of you know this conversation tonight that you know maybe i'll stay up the next half an hour and uh try to look at my wallet and see what i got going on cool yeah uh dollar sign cup series maybe shout out the there wallet you well, there you go yeah dollar there sign cups you see i'm still learning still learning but right. um and that's your yeah. public deposit address for everybody who wants to tip brian if you have any ada or any digital assets that are on the cardano network you can easily <laughs> type in dollar sign cup series and it goes straight to brian hmm perfect so Love thanks that. again greg for all the help thanks for joining us um and and for everybody else you know tune in next tuesday it's a all things go podcast car uh all things go podcast race and then the uh, few races after that will be all kodano and hosky so um derek you got anything to say no i just appreciate uh greg you coming on and and learning a little bit myself so uh really cool to to meet although uh over you know a zoom call here but uh best of luck with everything and thanks for everything you're doing bringing those worlds together cool appreciate it guys thanks a lot have a good one